0: This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 49. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton.
1: And I am Sid. And we have got a great topic for you guys tonight. Will it be a break from our ongoing Shonen Jump 50th anniversary celebration to talk about another series that is celebrating a long time, not 50 years, but like an anniversary of its own and a revival. I don't know, because our guest hasn't gotten back to us at the end of this (laughs) recording, but we will know soon enough, and you will know by the end of this podcast, or heck, you will know already, because the whatever this podcast is about will be titled as such, but... First, whatever our topic will be, before we get to that, we got to talk about news, and we've got quite a bit of it today. Not enough to go on for four hours about it, but Thank <laughs> you God. Know, maybe maybe an hour's worth, you know? A, a good, normal-sized chunk of news.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm fine with an hour. That's fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully. The last couple times it's been an hour and a half, but who knows? Who knows? I think it's a manageable chunk today. And as per usual, we're starting off with a list, aren't we? And a list that only comes around twice a year at that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And that list is, of course, the Oricon top-selling manga and light novels list for the first half of 2018. This list is compiling the best-selling book rankings for the first half of the 2018 fiscal year, which were... Compiled between November 20th, 2017 and May 20th, 2018. And so, we will start off by going over the Top 10 Manga Sales Ranking by Series. It's interesting, usually we get a Top 30, but right now we only have a Top 10. Which, hey, it's more manageable for us, so I'm not complaining. Well, let's start bottom to top here at number 10. We've got One Punch Man by Yusuke Murata and One coming in at 1,658,000 copies sold. One Punch Man is down from seven from the same time period last year, but it's still in the top 10, so still going strong. Mm-hmm. At nine, we've got Tokyo Ghoul RE from Sui Ishida, selling 1,962,000 copies. wow. Tokyo Ghoul is still going strong, maybe not as strong as last year where it sold uh, enough to be number 5 on last year's rankings, but it's still going strong. It's kind of surprising its numbers aren't better considering the currently airing anime, but still an incredibly popular title for sure.
0: Mm, yeah the less said about the anime the better <laughs>
1: yes at number eight we've got the promised neverland from kaioshirai and posca de mizu coming in at 1,970,000 copies sold this is the Promise Neverland's first time not only in the top ten but in the top thirty. Since so it didn't rank in the top thirty last year, so congrats on for the Promise Neverland. It is just continuing to gain hype and gain popularity. No wonder an anime has been greenlit, and I can only imagine we'll be seeing its numbers and success grow even further in the future.
0: I can honestly see it being in the top five once the anime is out.
1: For sure. And at number seven, we've got Black Clover by Yuki Tabata. Coming at 2,033,000 copies sold. Up from 28 at the same time period last year. It's gotten quite a jump, perhaps thanks to the enemy, perhaps thanks to reception to recent events in the manga. Who knows? But congrats on Black Clover for making the jump and doing so well. What
0: is that, like 21 spots? That's kind of insane.
1: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So congrats to Black Clover for making it in the top 10. At 6, we've got Kingdom by Yasuhisohara at 2,516,000. Copies sold. And Kingdom is, of course, a series. We probably will never get licensed over here in English because it's already so long. But it continues to do gangbusters over there in Japan. It's down from Stree from the same time period last year. But still, at number six, it's doing really well for itself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Here's hoping maybe one day we could see Kingdom Come to the West, but uh, right now it might be a little unwieldy. Who knows?
0: Maybe at least like a digital only release, kind of like what Kodansha's doing with stuff like, uh, like Ace of the Diamond or something.
1: That would probably be the best solution, but we'll see. At number five, we've got My Hero Academia from Koei Orikoshi selling 2,516,000 copies sold. Just barely more than Kingdom. And it's up from number six from the same time period last year. My Hero Academia is just a strong seller these days. It's maintained its popularity. No surprise to see it here in the top five. Mm-hmm. At number four, we've got Haikyuu from Haruichi Furudate. At hundred thousand copies sold. And i q is another one of those titles that is just a continual... Strong seller, continually popular. Its rank has stayed the same from this time period last year, so it is just constantly popular. So Mm -hmm. good on IQ. When are we getting that fourth season? Hopefully soon. At number three, we've got The Seven Deadly Sins by Nakaba Suzuki, selling 2,769,000 copies sold. And The Seven Deadly Sins has jumped up from eight to 3 from the same time period last year, so it's only grown even more popular, perhaps thanks to recent events in the manga, perhaps thanks to the currently ongoing season of the anime, but Seven Lily Sins is still one of the most popular titles on the scene today.
0: Hmm, yeah, I really need to get to that at some point. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm, it's a good series. And then, we're coming up to our top two, which have remained constant for the past couple of years, so it's no surprise to see Attack on Titan by Hajime Isayama at number two here with 2,997,000 copies sold. What is there to say about Attack on Titan? Not much, just like there isn't that much more to say about One Piece being number one at 3,110,000 copies sold. Obviously, One Piece of Attack on Titan are the two big titles mm, right out much right much now. Yeah. Everyone's reading them. Everyone's loving them. Maybe One Piece more so than AOT. I don't know. But it's nevertheless, they're selling gangbusters. So, yeah, mm. it, they're doing really well. Also, we're noting is this is One Piece's, I believe, third time being in the top ten with three million copies sold in a six-month time period. So, congrats on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just a pretty solid list all around. I don't think I'm surprised about any of these titles. I'm know, surprised about so well. Black
0: Clover, honestly.
1: Not really, because it's kind of in its prime night right now. I would su- I would suppose because ongoing anime, pretty big arc in the series. Like I'm not too surprised that it's grown in popularity so much.
0: Mm, I guess Maybe. I'm just. Su-
1: that it's overtaken food wars
0: but well, oh uh, yeah f- uh, yeah food wars isn't in the top 10 that's yeah i didn't even notice that mhm mm. maybe it'll be in the in the back half of 2018 i don't know but i guess i'm just more so surprised that black clover made such a huge jump cuz it definitely wasn't in the top 10 um last time we checked on this list
1: yeah it wasn't but uh, it's good on black clover let's i wonder how it'll be at the end of the year when we get the year end list mhm Now, the next list is the manga sales ranking by volume, but we won't go over, like, all of this because... Most of it is the titles we've just gone over that are in the top ten. You've got your one pieces, you got your Attack on Titans, you got your kingdoms and Haikyus and Tokyo Ghouls and all that jazz. So I'm just gonna highlight some interesting stand alone volumes here that pique my interest that they've done so well. The first is of course Hunter x Hunter, the newest volume one hundred thirty five coming in at number four on this list, with nine hundred and eighty one hundred thousand copies sold. Hunter x Hunter always does well for itself. It probably would be a you know, best seller still if there was more than one volume a year coming out, but you can see it is competitive with the most popular stuff, the top of the top.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's no surprise. A lot of people love Hunter Hunter.
1: Yes. Uh we've also got the newest detective Conan volume coming in, number ninety four, coming in at number fourteen, with five hundred and ninety three hundred thousand copies sold. Conan, I've heard, is going through like a renaissance in popularity and sales, so very interesting to see its newest volume do so well in the top 20. We've mm-hmm. also got Yotsuba, the newest volume, volume 14, coming into number 16 with five hundred seventy nine hundred thousand copies sold. Yotsuba is also another title that, you know, rarely gets a volume out these days, but when it does, it does extremely well. We've also got Black Butler, volume 26, coming into number 18 with five hundred sixty eight hundred thousand copies sold. Black Butler is continuing to do well. We've got Watercoy Volume Five coming in number twenty. Uh, Watercoy seems to maybe have gotten a little bit of boost from the anime, but it's becoming a, quite a popular title. We've also mm-hmm. got Delicious in Dungeon Volume Six number coming in number twenty-two. I'm sure Casey is extremely happy that Delicious in Dungeon is only continuing to grow more popular. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine we'll see an anime announcement one of these days. I would hope so. But mm. yeah, those are just some inter- interesting kind of, uh, titles in this manga sales ranking year that are not like all the stuff we just talked about in the top 10, but you know, standalone ones from other series that are doing quite well.
0: Yeah, some of those were definitely interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: And now we'll round off talking a little bit about the light novel sales ranking top 10. Uh, and we are starting off here with the bottom at 10 is Death March to Parallel Rhapsody from Hero Ayana with 211. 211- Thousand copies sold. So uh, this got an anime recently. I heard it wasn't very well received, but it wasn't in the top ten last year. So I guess it did a job in promoting the light novel. So
0: yeah, pretty that, much. <laughs> uh,
1: we got sword art online by Reki Kawahara coming in at number nine, two hundred and twelve. 100,000 copies sold, down from number one in the same time period last year. Whoa, how did that happen? How did it drop so much? I guess sort Online's of wow, yeah. time as the king of light novels is gone. Because, as we'll see later, its spinoff is doing better than it. But uh, we'll see about that. Uh, Sword Online
0: eight... dead, confirmed. <laughs> Finally. Oh, they actually <laughs> did
1: die for real this time. <laughs> but then at number 8, we got that time I got reincarnated as a slime by Fuse. Uh 23800,0 copies sold. Yeah, that's one I've heard a lot about. I don't know if it's got an anime announcement yet, but I have to imagine it will soon because it's getting a lot of buzz.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: interesting. At seven, we've got No Game No Life by Yuka Miya. 2710,0 copies sold. Like No Game No Life. I'm glad that it's back on the top ten after dropping off last year. At number 6, we've got Konosuba, God's Blessing of this Wonderful World by Natsume Akatsuki, with 312,000 copies sold. Down from number 2 from the same time period last year, but still doing pretty well for itself. I like Konosuba a lot, hope we get another season of the anime, so good on that. At number five, we've got Sword Art Online Progressive by Ricky Kawahara. So I guess Ricky Kawahara is still doing well himself, it's just his, the spin-off to his series is doing better than his main series. Uh But yeah, that's in the top five, so I don't know, will we see a Sword Art Progressive anime sometime if it's doing better than the main series? I don't know, but uh, I guess we'll see. The staying constant in number four is the irregular at magic high school by satomo sato which i believe is either ending or has ended we talked about this a little bit on the show a few weeks back i think but yeah i think that's coming to a close but it's still doing extremely well for itself mm-hmm. at number three we've got the ryu's work is number done by shira tori which i believe had an anime last season i think so yeah a season or two ago but yeah, that's like a sh- um, like now about Shogi, so I guess it's doing really well. And then at number two, we got ReZero, Starting Life in Another World by Tabe Nagatsuki, with 400,000 copies sold. And it's actually up from number three from the same time period last year, so the absence of the anime has not hurt it at all. It's just continuing to be more popular, so mm-hmm. very intriguing. I guess ReZero is really in its prime right now. And then at number one, we've got Overlord by Kugane Maruyama with 500,000 uh, copies sold. And yeah, it's up from number nine at the same time period last year. So I guess season two did its job or like the current stuff going on live novel is like super good because it's made quite a jump to overtake Sword Art Online that's the number one hell they switch places almost exactly so there you go (laughs) Mm, overlord is now the overlord of light novels
0: (laughs) yeah i've i've seen a lot of buzz for overlord it i remember when the first season of the anime came out i i couldn't really care less it didn't really seem like my kind of thing but i've seen so many people talk about it with season two and uh I see there's a lot of buzz for Season 3 coming up, so I I might actually want to check it out at some point.
1: Weelord told me he really liked it, so yeah, I might check it out sometime as well. But let's see if Overlord will be overthrown by the fall. We'll see how long his reign at the top lasts. But that about does it for this uh coverage of the Oricon list for this first half of 2018 year. Looking forward to seeing how things might change when we get to the back half and the year-end totals. hmm But now we are going to transition into serialization news. And even though manga seems to be thriving, as we've seen on the Oricon list, it seems that the medium of print magazines might be slowly phasing out. It might be a dying breed going extinct a little bit. Well, not entirely, but there's certainly a lot... Of magazines that are ending publication, including Bisatsu Hana to Yumi Shoujo magazine, which recently ended publication a few weekends ago. But yeah, the last issue, the July issue of uh, the magazine just said it was the magazine was ending with that issue just out of the blue, out of nowhere. It was like, well, this is the final issue. Oh, wow. Mm. Just really hit us with that. But yeah. This magazine was very notable for running manga such as Ayakano's oto Man, Chika, Yomi's Zikarizum, and Rasetsu, and perhaps uh, most notably, Suzue Muchi's Glass Mask, which is one of the longest running manga that is still in serialization. So, This was like a big deal that this magazine with a 40-year-old pedigree has just just suddenly ended. Hmm. But a lot of their series, it will not cease with the magazine. They will move on to other magazines. These include Saki Hiwara Tari's Boku wa Chikyu to Utao, which will move to Haku Sencha's Melody magazine starting in its October issue on August 28 uh one wonder, M- wonder haniyaka mangekyo momo momoto kioke gakuen hokago sensei to and sekai wa kyo momatu and ochikubo are all going to move to Haka manga park app and website so a lot of these series are moving to digital in addition mm. the final chapter of masumi kawaso's touring express Euro will debut on Manga Park on June 26, and another new series will launch in Haku Sencha's Hanmaru Manga Web Manga magazine. Wow. In addition, a-, a lot of other creators, including Nanpei Yamada, Shigeru Takao, Ritsumiyako, and Banko Kuse will launch series on a new web magazine called Hana Yumi Ai, which is coming this fall, and next spring, Marimo Rakagawa's Kyuakasuki to Yukai na Nakama Tachi is going to resume in Hanayume Ai. So, yeah, a lot of these titles are just going to be moving digital now. To digital magazines and imprints, in fact, and apps and all that stuff. So, very, very interesting. As for the fate of Glass Mask, that will be continuing. It has not ended yet with the conclusion of Hanayume but where it will continue is still up in the air, but I would not be surprised if that will to continue digitally as well on one hmm. of the apps HakuSensha has.
0: So, very curious. Hmm. I didn't even know Glass Mask was still going. That's really surprising to me.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been going on for 40 plus years. It's one of the longest running manga. Wow. Yep. But that's not the only magazine that's ending. Because we've also got Monthly Comic Burrs ending on June 30th, with it's August issue. Though, they are more upfront that the magazine's medium will change, and the manga seri- serializing in the magazine are going to continue. So, hmm. they haven't revealed all their details, but I'm gonna guess, just like Hana Yume, they are going to move most of these to a digital web magazine. Hmm. And of course, Comic Brewers is known for serializing titles such as Lament of the Lamb, Rose and Maiden, Hetalia Axis Powers, Otomi Zakuro and *Konaihana Kitan, all of which have you know, received English language releases in some form of another. Italia is probably the most popular of those, but the only one of those that are still running is Konohana Kiten and Otome Yokezakura. So we are still more than likely going to see that those continue whenever this uh, monthly comic birth relaunches in a digital platform, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't end there because Haku young animal Arashi is also ending. It's, the seventh issue of it is going to be its final issue. And then they're going to launch a new magazine called Young Animal Resistance that will carry on the young animal genes, so to speak, and focus on fighting manga. And that will launch at the end of this year. In addition, Hakusen is also launching a new adult-oriented digital magazine titled Harem in September. So I think you can guess what the focus on that will be. Mm, uh, I don't just... know. Echi harem manga.
0: <laughs> nah, couldn't be.
1: Yeah, but a lot of creators are going to contribute works to harem, including Akikatsu of futari H, Ryuta Amazume of Nana Takaru, Anna Moriyama from Kono Aewa Itan, and Akira Kiduki and Nanki Sato from Utsosuki Paradox. So they're all going to contribute works to the new harem magazine so uh, they certainly got a lot of talent lined up for that but mm-hmm. the manga that are moving from young animal arashi to young animal include uh well there's a lot of stuff i don't know how much of this has been licensed in english but yeah most of the manga that are gonna that were running in young animal Arashi are gonna continue on in young animal mm-hmm. so that will debut in its 14th issue on July 13th. And while the, uh, while the 15th issue will publish the end of, uh, Jikkyo Izumikan no Kyomoyo, uh, on July 27th. And another new series called Kento Anko Kuren this is gonna debut later on. While the series My Ball is moving to Akacentra's manga park. Uh, Apple was set on July 6th, just like many of the Hana Yume titles. And we're not even done with all the <laughs> magazines that are done. Because Comic Ryu is ending print publication and moving online with its August issue on June 19th. And all its currently serialized manga will debut online for free in on July on the template titled Comic Ryu Web Head, or Web Edition. And so, this is where Notable for a lot of series, including Monster Musume, Asenar's Life, Alice in Zokuro, Nurse Atome's Monster Infirmary, a lot of titles uh that, you know, you can f- pick up from Seven Seas, many of the most famous Monster Girl manga, all of those will be continuing just now in an online publication instead of print. Hmm. Now, glad to see that uh, the conclusion of the magazine doesn't mean the unfavorable, timely early ends of Centaur's Life and Nerds because I like those series a lot. But that's it for all the magazines that are ending, two of them being uh, Hakusensha related, so Hakusensha seems to be driving this focus towards like weaning off from print publications and moving more of its up to digital, but in general that seems to be the direction the industry is going.
0: Less focused mm-hmm. on the
1: print magazines and some more on digital publications.
0: Yeah, I wonder I wonder how far away we are from like seeing stuff from like Kodansha, Shigaku-kan, and uh, Shueisha being completely digital. I'm assuming probably not for a very long time, but I'm sure it's somewhere on the horizon.
1: Yeah, I think it's still a long ways until Jump ends print publications, but... If that ever happens, then we know that we're like a truly in a changed time,
0: mhm, yeah, but uh that's the times they are a change, just like the song <laughs> goes uh but I guess we can move on from those to uh some 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 new series coming out here uh some some new stuff, kind of new stuff some 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 adaptations of stuff, some spin offs. And by spinoffs, I mean uh, we're getting a, another Sells at Work spinoff. Um, so the official website for Kodansha's Morning Magazine uh, revealed recently that uh, Sells at Work is getting another spinoff called Cells at Work Black that will launch in the magazine on June 7th. So uh, it, it'll probably be out by the time uh, this episode's up, but it looks like it is going to be written by Shigemitsu Harada and drawn by Issei Hatsuyoshi with the original creator uh, Akane Shimizu uh, supervising the work. So this is kind of interesting. So it's going to be about the cells that work inside of somebody that, like, drinks too much, smokes, has high high stress and cholesterol, and basically somebody that doesn't c- take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that's what, the, uh, that's what the black refers to in Cells That Work Black, uh, because they'll be working in a very, quote-unquote, black environment, you know, somebody who's just not in the best of health. That's actually kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't mind checking that out. That's kind of a I guess an interesting take on the series. I'm I'm sure maybe they kind of cover that in like the original, but uh I guess you could make a whole spin-off off of that. That's just a really interesting concept to me. Yeah, it's
1: gonna be that like that episode of Ozzy and Drix. There's like the smoking like manifest infestation that like poisoned the entire body of the kid they're in yeah it's like everything <laughs> is dying because this kid is smoking and stuff it's like this is just gonna be that but the entire series instead of one episode <laughs> is it
0: is it cells at work just osmosis jones like the manga the,
1: yeah i mean Actually, this is probably gonna be more like the the film *Osmosis Jones*, whereas the regular *Cells at Work* manga is probably more like *Ozzy and Drix* to show because, like, mm. now you're going from like, from a guy who is like not taking care of himself at all to like a guy who who is like you know is okay. So now it's like the reverse with *Cells at Work*.
0: Mm, yeah. So I hope that gets picked up. I, I would not mind reading that, but I also still have to read the original *Cells at Work*. Um, I mean, with I mean, since it has an anime coming out, I feel like we should probably talk about it at some point, especially since we mentioned on the show so many times
1: yeah this is like it's fourth spin this is like it's the fourth cells at work series it's third spin-off so it's like yeah it seems like a pretty big deal if it's
0: getting so many spin-offs i guess i I guess it's just that popular i don't know um yeah maybe it'll end up on the uh, on the oricons top 10 manga list for the first half of 2019 next year we don't know (laughs) maybe it doesn't Maybe. put out that know. many volumes, like
1: one volume a year, so who knows, mm. but we'll see.
0: That, that's interesting. But I also mentioned earlier that uh, certain adaptations were getting manga adaptations, and it looks like the website for Monthly Heroes magazine uh, posted a cover image for the upcoming July issue that reveals that they'll be launching a manga adaptation of Batman Ninja. Uh, so that's really interesting. Sid, did you see Batman Ninja yet?
1: No. No. Not yet. I mean, maybe eventually, but
0: mm, yeah. I've heard
1: mixed things, like the style is supposed to be really good, but the story is supposed to be whatever.
0: But the story's fine. I, I didn't think it was, like, terrible. It's, I mean, look, it's, it's really over the top, so I was totally okay with it. Bane is a sumo wrestler for no reason, so, you know, like... <laughs> And you know, not to give too much away, but literally one of the Robins has like an army of monkeys that turn into another giant monkey, and then that giant monkey turns into a Batman. Like the, the Batman ninja is some crazy shit. And I I liked it a lot, so I can only imagine what a manga adaptation of that would be like. So I don't know. Um uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was fun, but you know, if you're looking for something with an uh, with an amazing story, I mean, like, you, you kind of, it's it's one of those things you kind of have to just roll with. You kind of have to roll with the punches with certain things that happen in that thing. It's again, it's over the top. So if you don't like over the top, it may not be for you. But I mean, I love over the
1: top. I mean, I don't expect much from uh, DC direct to video films much in general. But like, I just heard the film is completely incoherent in a way that's like a pain to watch. So
0: mm, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I guess it was there there were some points where it was it was a bit hard to follow, but I, I think I personally speaking I at least understood the gist of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would I would say it's at least worth one watch, especially with friends. Definitely watch with friends because that, that is a wonderful experience. <laughs> um okay. but but no, yeah, so Batman Ninja's getting a manga adaptation. And uh, that's that's really all I have to say about that. Like, if you've seen Batman Ninja, it's probably going to be the exact same story. I don't know. Maybe there'll be some changes. I don't know. But yeah, maybe it'll get picked up. I don't know. I would read it. All right, but I, I guess we'll just move on to the next thing here. So psyche um, Kusuo ended recently in Jump, or I guess kind of. I, I think it ended and then it got like some... I think it turned into like a four coma gag series or something. I'm not that sure. I think. Oh, did? Okay. See, I did. That was like just
1: bonus material so they could fill out the final volume. It's kind of like when Assassin Classroom had the four chapter miniseries after it ended because they mm, needed okay the material of work the final volume assassin assassination classroom. Like Psyche basically did the same thing.
0: Hmm, interesting. Uh I don't know if this is a big spoiler for uh for Psyche, just in case you guys wanna, you know, skip over this piece of news. But uh it looks like Psyche K got a new one shot manga in the first issue in the um in the summer twenty eighteen issue of Shueisha's Jump Giga this uh this past Friday. Yeah, it it looks like this uh this particular one shot basically focuses on um, Psyche Kusuo without his powers. Um, so that's really interesting. I didn't even know that happened. Hmm. So I saw v actually tweet about this, and he was really praising it. So it, it makes me really interested in checking it out. But uh, yeah, um, I, really, I really just want more Psyche Kusuo. I really hope that next season ends up on Netflix soon. Hopefully. I mean... Is it
1: done airing? Or when did it begin? When did it finish?
0: I think that's a winter season anime.
1: So was it two core? So is, was it still going? Are they waiting for it all to be done before they add it? Man.
0: I don't know. I I think it's two core. Hmm. I mean, I think it is. Otherwise, I think that would explain why the season two is not up yet. But I don't know. I just I just want more Psyche Kusuo. And, and this one shot really just makes me interested in seeing how the series ended.
1: Yeah. And hopefully we'll get that.
0: Hopefully. But yeah, I guess we could just move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah. Uh Now let's move on to talk about some things that are coming back. Or like one thing that are coming back and then some authors that are coming back. It's probably more accurate to say. And the first author that's coming back is Yu Watase, who plans to resume her manga Arata the Legend in Weekly Shonen Sunday this year. Uh, that's been on hiatus since August twenty fifteen. Wow. And so it it's just come kind of, kinda of come back off and on a little bit, but like it has not come back for regular serialization in that long. So there was a remaster edition of the manga that was being released and then the ninth volume of that, like shipped on April eighteenth, I think, this year. So, you know, they're still trying to like keep it in consciousness i guess but you know she's been working on other stuff she worked on another fushigi yugi spinoff called yaku senki in monthly flowers in last august and that's been running every other month so it's a bi-monthly series and the Mm -hmm. first one of that came out on april 10th but yeah i the legend there hasn't really been a new volume of that in a couple of years now so it's if she comes back for regular serialization that is going to be a big deal i definitely plan to Check out more Yuwataze works and a marriage between Yuwataze manga and Shonen Sundays. Arata the Legend is definitely high up on my list of stuff to check out. And uh, something I'm looking forward to is a new manga about Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri which was recently released in Japan. It's called Learning Manga Special Satoshi Tajiri, The Man Who Made Pokemon, and it tells the story of, uh, you know, Tajiri's life from his upbringing to when he created Pokemon. It's a 160-page book, which is about 900 yen or $8. It discussed his passion for insect collecting, encountering space invaders in the 70s, all the other creators he's worked with who helped push his career forward. It's just pretty cool. Uh... So, like, hopefully we can maybe get this license sometime, because I would like to read a manga about Satoshi Tujir's life. That sounds very interesting.
0: Hmm, I'd read it. Mm-hmm.
1: And back on the subject of authors returning, we've got Akiko Hagashimura planning to launch a new manga uh, in conjunction, partnered with novelist Mariko Hayes. Hayashi, and they will be publishing this new manga called Hyper Medi Nakajima Haruko, launching in the August issue of Shueisha's Kokohana on June 28th. The first chapter will have an opening color page, and will be on the front cover of the issue, and it'll have 48 pages. And it'll be about a middle-aged lady named Haruko Nakajima who gives advice on love, and it's based on Hayashi's book, Psycho no Obahan, Nakajima Haruko no Renai Soudan Shitsu, or The Best Middle-Aged Woman, Haruko Nakajima's Love Consultation Room. So it seems like to be a direct adaptation of the series, or at least an inspired by the series. So I am always looking forward to new Higashimura manga. Now that Kodansha has finished, you know, publishing Tokyo Tarareba Girl's on digital. I know they're just starting to release it in print, but, you know, they're done with Princess Jellyfish in print, and they're done with Tereba in digital, so hopefully they can maybe publish another one of Higashimura's works in digital. And, you know, I just want more Higashimura manga. The more, the better. I love her work. She's one of my favorite mangaka, and I'm always excited to hear of new work from her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not terribly excited about a new work from Seo necessarily. Uh, we... Discussed this a little bit last week, but yeah, I have some mixed feelings on the direction Fuka went, but we have a title for his new manga called the editor Yunusuke Kanzaki that will follow, you know, a protagonist who's an editor for Weekly Shonen Magazine and a heroine who's a manga creator. Uh, and then the rookie editor meets a rookie manga artist who wants to say, I want to be a manga creator. Take responsibility, please. And that'll launch in the 29th issue of Weekly Shonen Magazine on June 20th. And I would be more excited if like, the main character was the woman who wants to be a mangaka for Weekly Shonen Magazine, but it's like, on the from the editor's perspective, and it's like, eh, I don't really know about that. It's, it's more interesting on the flip side to me, but, well, Either way, I do like stories about mangaka, you know, trying to make it. This could be like Weekly Shonen Magazine's version of Bakuman if it's done yeah. well. You know, I like, I still like Fuka for the most part. I just was not very happy about some things that happened during its final stretch. So uh, I'm still going to read this and I'm still hoping from good things coming out of it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, maybe Crunchyroll Kodansha will sign up publish this as they are with Hiromashima's new series coming out, then start going to come out around the same time.
0: Mm. Yeah, so speaking of Hiromashima's new series, um, so uh, we have a title for it now, a a new tentative title. Uh, Apparently, uh, Mashima's new series will be called Eden's Zero. It looks as though Eden Zero will also have a simultaneous release starting from the very first chapter, in English, French, Chinese, Korean, and Thai. So this is a really huge thing to be excited for. I think because obviously, you know, Fairy Tale was a very popular series, whether you liked it or not, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people love Mashima's work. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of surprised, but not really surprised to see that. Kodansha's really pulling all the stops for him here. And, you know, on the English side of things, it looks like Chapters of Eden Zero will be released on Crunchyroll, Comixology, and Kindle. So you have at least three ways to check out Mashima's new series. And it looks like, uh, as we've mentioned before, the first chapter of Eden Zero will premiere on June 26, just in time for my birthday. So that'll be That'll be interesting. Uh, oh, thanks Mashima. Hey, that's
1: is Mashima's birthday <laughs> present to you. He's like, Colton, I know you didn't like Fairy Tale. So here's a new manga you'll maybe like better. Is it is
0: maybe. it anything is it anything like Ravemaster? Uh maybe. Wait and see. Here you go. Uh where's the receipt? I don't have a receipt. Okay. Uh, I gotta be honest, to even
1: I don't know what it's about. I just drew some art. And I'm, I'm just I'm just making it up as I go, based on the character designs. I don't know where the story's gonna go. I'm sorry.
0: I reused at least three character designs from Rave Master. Does that count?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I reused. P- P- I reused Blue's basically all my character designs. See, Jalal is back again. You like Jalal, right? You you can't get enough of him. Hey, look, it's Plu. You like Plu, right? Oh yeah, Plu is gonna be in this series. He's gonna be imported. Just like he, <sighs> he was a Master in fairy tale, he wasn't that important fairy tale, but he was around for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's
0: that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I did see uh, I, I I was reading Kodachi's tweet announcing this, and because um, we've we've also gotten some key art. In that time, too, of, of someone who looks suspiciously like a combination of Grey and Natsu, and uh, obviously all the shippers went nuts. Oh, they had uh, a baby
1: together. That's so great. The, the OTP <laughs> came true. Fire and Ice made a be- beautiful baby together.
0: I'm sure his power uh, is
1: water. Which I'm sure will make the Juvia fans upset, because water well, is her <laughs> thing, but...
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I mean I wanna give Mashima a chance. I know he can do good work. Even if I didn't really care for most of Fairy Tale, I've like I know he's capable of really great things. So I'm I'm gonna give Eden Zero a chance. I will I will definitely be reading the first chapter, and hey, we might even talk about it on the show once it's out, so
1: Yeah. That's so, yeah. uh like very likely. Very interested in seeing what comes out of Eden Zero.
0: Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's actually that's actually something I'm kind of looking forward to. But um, you know, speaking of Crunchyroll, um we're going to move on to uh, some licensing news and uh the first thing, you know, pertaining to Crunchyroll, we have to talk about here is that uh uh Crunchyroll is adding some some new Cut series if it hasn't already. It probably has already, I think. Um And uh, one of those latest additions is Kei Sasuga's Domestic Girlfriend, which I believe at the time of this recording uh, will be out. Domestic Girlfriend comes from Weekly Shonen Magazine. And uh, let's... Wow, I'm losing my train of thought here. It's about a
1: high schooler named Maso who is hopelessly in love with his teacher named Hina. But one day at a mixer, he meets a moody girl named Ri, and they end up sleeping together. Oh, Uh, wow. Yeah, so that escalated quickly. One night <laughs> stand there, but then his father announces that they're getting re- he's getting remarried to a woman with two daughters, and guess what? The daughters happen to be Hina and Re. So now Natsuo's life is getting crazy because the woman he's in love with is living with him, and also the woman he had a one night stand with is living.
0: Mm, That sounds very, very trashy, very steamy. Um, Well, you
1: know, interesting (laughs) is uh, Kay Sasuga, she is known for the manga Good Ending, which I haven't read yet, but I've heard very good things about that's actually a very thoughtful and uh, really well done, like, romance hair manga, you know, that carries a lot of very relatable emotions through it. And so Mm. it's probably one of the best in the genre. So... I think that this is, you know, the premise in her hands, she's going to like really explore the emotions of this kind of scenario and develop it in a really thoughtful and interesting way. So I'm actually Mm -hmm. really looking forward to checking this series out and reading up on it because I've heard a lot of good things about good ending. So...
0: I mean, you know, that's, I, I completely agree. I mean, most times it's not, it's not necessarily the premise, but the way it's executed. So... You know, I mean, from what you're telling me, you know, hopefully this series is a little more thoughtful than its premise leads on, you know, if I hear enough good things about it, you know, I I, I might check it out, maybe, or something. Yeah, so it looks like uh, the first chapter is available now, but it looks like the actual simul pub will begin on June 5th. It'll have already begun by the time this episode's out, but yeah, so so that's another new Kodansha title coming to Crunchyroll, and uh, yeah, so...
1: Yep, you can look forward to new chapters of that every Tuesday.
0: Unless they're
1: late on them, like they often are. Uh,
0: I mean, you know, sometimes things happen, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. uh, But I guess speaking of Kodansha, uh, it looks like uh, Kodansha USA is adding four new digital first titles to various uh, uh, digital comics uh, venues or whatnot. And yeah, so we're just going to go over those real quick. Uh, so uh, the first title debuting on june 5th again by the time this episode's out uh the first of those titles is going to be those summer days from chica which again is debuting on june 5th and god i can't talk today so i'm just going to read the story summary because i kind of i kind of enjoyed reading them on the last episode uh six former classmates meet at their high school reunion legal secretary legal secretary tamaki businessman takumi single mother yuka shoe salesman Taichi tech CEO Shoji and teacher Moe. A lot of interesting, uh, uh, interesting career choices. Um, as their conversation... the
1: women have, like, the most stereotypical choices, though?
0: One thing at a time, Sid. As their conversation turns to long ago, love's lost, Yuka makes a shocking confession. In the summer of their second year, she lied to keep Tamaki and Takami from getting together. After a night of drinking and reminiscence, Tamaki awakens to find herself 10 years in the past on the day of that fateful summer began. But just as she learns Takami has returned to the past as well, they both receive a mysterious text message. Those life-changing summer days have come around again. Can the past truly be changed?
1: So this is kind of like Orange, except they actually travel back in time instead of just sending letters back in time. And no one died, I guess.
0: I don't, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about this, but the next title we're going to be talking about is, uh, Kami Kaishi, uh, from Emma Toyama, uh, which will be debuting on June 12th. And it looks like, uh, just from the, from, from, from the summary, it is going to be about a, a Shinto ritual called Kamigami Gaishi. which allows a
1: deity to rest in a girl's hell to heal themselves but then one day, a girl named Mashro, who has been confined in a small room, meets Hino Gaku, who is a kamisama that has been sealed inside her hair. And then, uh, what happens? It's a super Kamigami fantasy! So it's like, kind of a silly, cute comedy about, like, this deity living in this girl's hair.
0: Mmm, yeah, premise isn't really doing much to pull me in, honestly.
1: <laughs> it's got pretty short and a little vague, so... Yeah. I like the cover art. It's kind
0: of cute. Mm, I'm not a fan of the style, honestly. <laughs> you don't like pink? Um, I, I'm sure, that that's the problem. It's too pink for me. I'm not going to read it. Too pink, um, too
1: moe, too flowery.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, this next one I'm a little more interested in. Uh, Karate Heat from Aichi e. Kitano, which will be debuting on June 19th. All you need is the floor and your body. Then all that's left is to make a fist uh, Shinya Kinoshita, a boy with incredible posture And Takami Yanagiya, the six-time elementary school national champion Meet one day by chance But surely it's fate As the two laugh and are drawn to each other The stage is set for this for the story of, of the Kawasaki Ukish- Ukishima Junior High School Karate Club A fun-filled martial arts journey full of friendship and smiles begins now So, that sounds kind of fun
1: it seems like a shonen story. A shonen, <laughs> like a nice shonen story about rivalry and a friendship, so.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds pretty simple. Maybe it's more complex than the summary leads on. I don't know. But uh, last but not least, we have the quintessential quintuplets. Uh, try saying that five times fast. Uh, the quintessential from Negi quintuplets, quintessential quintuplets.
1: Quintessential quintuplets. Quintessential quintuplets. Quintessential quintuplets. Quintessential quintuplets. See, you always dare me to say things five times fast. I'm like, "No, well, let's do it." So.
0: I know. I don't know why I do that. You're always gonna, you're always going to reciprocate. I should really know better by now. Uh, that is authored by Negi Haruba. It is going to be coming out on June 26. Hey, my birthday again. So let's see. One day, a poor high school second year named Futaro Uesugi comes across comes across a private. A private tutoring gig with good pay, okay, uh, but his pupils are his classmates, and they're quintuplets, and, and they're all gorgeous girls, and, and they're also troublemakers who hate to study and are on the verge of flunking out, and the first task is simply gaining the sister's trust. Every day's a party. Uh, the curtain is rising on the Nakano tw- quintuplets. Quickie, quirky romantic comedy with five times of cute. I can't read today. That sounds wacky, I guess.
1: I guess it's We Never learn If All The Girls Were Related.
0: Sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, not I'm not very interested in a lot of these licenses, unfortunately. Not nothing really stands out to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I read these t- uh, premises and I think of like other stuff. Like the the most original sounding one is Kamika Mikaishi. but uh, I don't I don't dislike the style like you do, but like it's also not that it doesn't like grab me that much. I think the cover is cute, but it's like it's still not that grabbing. Both the art and whatever summary there is,
0: I Mm -hmm. mean I guess
1: the most interesting uh, summary in terms of like a hook is those summer days, but already from the, you know, synopsis, I'm like, ugh there's gonna be some stupid gender role stuff here, because all the women just happen to have the most stereotypical female roles you could give them. Mm -hmm. It's like, jeez, come on. (laughs) It's like, ugh. I'd rather just go back and read Orange again.
0: (laughs) I mean, out of the four, I would probably read Karate Heat, but I mean, like... I mean, mean, it's maybe
1: there's more to Karate Heat, but they don't say it in the summary. It's like, oh, the Shonen Rivalry, Friendship, Fighting, Woo! You know, the cover (laughs) art is cool, like, having this character all in red silhouette. Like, it's it's pretty nice, it's pretty eye-popping, but it, it just... I don't know what what's more to the story. I have to read it and find out. But like, eh, there's so much already. I have to read. I don't know when I'll get around to like seeing. Okay, why not? Well, I'll check this out. I have time. I don't have the time. So you gotta <laughs> help me in with a more interesting premise.
0: Mm, yeah, I don't know. Mm, as much as I would maybe want to check out Karate Heat, like I said, the, these. These couple of licenses just aren't really doing it for me. But I don't, it, like, like I said, if I if I hear enough good things about some of these, maybe I would check them out. But yeah, none of these are really high priority for me. But yeah, those are all those are all going to be available at some point during the month of June for those who do want to check them out and buy them. I'm sure you can buy them at a at a local comicsology or Amazon near you, mm-hmm. uh, or, or or BookWalker. They'll probably be on BookWalker.
1: Yeah. But moving on, let's talk about some vertical licenses now because they announced quite a lot at Anime Central and quite a lot of exciting things. The most exciting for me being that they are releasing a Kino's Journey manga beginning in summer 2019. The adaptation drawn by Iruka Shimonia that launched last year in March 2017 and is two volumes deep right now. So they're going to be Releasing that starting next summer, and so it's just always good to see more Kino's Journey-related stuff coming out. Uh, Maybe if this manga does well, we'll see that other manga that got made, you know, get licensed and published. Maybe we'll see the novels be picked up again. Who knows? I just like more Kino's Journey in the West getting licensed. And then, mm-hmm. we've got some other licenses from Vertical, including Aki Era's Go With The Clouds, North by No West, a manga they plan to release in May 2019, which is a mystery story set in Iceland following a 17-year-old boy who's searching for a certain man, and he has three secrets. His car can tark, he's weak around pretty women, and he's a detective. So it's, he's like Knight Rider, I guess. <laughs> Knight Rider's the name of the car, I don't know what the name of the guy is, but like, yeah, it's basically like that. Except it's set
0: in Iceland. This looks like a John Woo movie with all the like doves flying around him on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty good.
1: And they're also releasing uh, K Matsuoka Sherlock Holmes. And Hiro Bumi Ito novel in March 2019, which is about Sherlock Holmes going to Japan and teaming up with Japan's first prime minister, Hirobumi Bumi Ito, is to solve a mystery with international implications, which is a crazy premise. And so that's coming out of March 2019. So I'm actually kinda of interested in that kind of craziness and how how that'll turn out. Uh in addition, if you're a Cyphomonier fan, good news because they're gonna release Blame in one collective omnibus volume Damn. and Knights of Donia in a Masters Edition omnibus starting in April twenty nineteen, and there's gonna be seven of those Knights of Donia omnibus volumes that will each have like three point five volumes each. Ooh, wow! So, yeah,
0: those are those are some huge books.
1: Yeah, if you haven't collected Nights of Sidonia or Blame yet, you can look forward to those releases. But yeah, some cool licenses from Vertical overall.
0: Yeah, damn, that's that's pretty impressive. Mm. But I guess we can move on to uh, some DC licenses. Whoa, DC publishing manga. Uh, so DC Comics announced back in March that uh, they'll be releasing a, uh, a manga from Shiori Teshirogi, who apparently is the author of uh, Saint Seiya the Lost Canvas, uh, which is interesting, called uh, Batman and the Justice League. And uh, so the first volume of that will be coming out on October 23rd and will be 200 pages long. And, um, you know, essentially the premise is just about this boy from Japan. He travels to Gotham City, and he's basically on a mission to find uh, his parents, who were both scientists that were presumably killed in an explosion at a, uh, at a power plant. Uh, but he basically runs into a few bad guys, and he's, he's going to need Batman and the other Justice League's help uh, in solving this case and fighting bad guys and whatnot. And um, uh, the art style definitely looks interesting. Um, it's definitely an interesting take on um on the DC superheroes but i don't know i I'd, I'd probably check it out it's it's not every day that uh you know marvel or dc licenses any kind of manga at all so i wouldn't i wouldn't mind checking this out
1: yeah it's definitely cool that they're finally releasing one of the manga adaptations of you know their properties though i don't know about the style necessarily cuz i look at superman's face and it's like eh just Something off about the way Superman looks here, but
0: He he looks like he's fifteen. He looks
1: too young.
0: Yeah, I will admit that that is a bit off putting, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm, I'm also just I'm... used to him having yeah. like
1: a square jaw. Like it's just too smooth, too round.
0: Yeah, he's 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 too beautiful. <laughs> to be shonen,
1: yeah.
0: Oh man. But that's interesting. I I might check it out maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, i d- I
0: definitely check it out.
1: Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Hopefully they license more of manga adaptations of their stuff as so well. Mm. But, moving on, we have another SimoPub to talk about, because Yen Press is publishing Goblin Slayer Brand New Day, which is a spin-off of Goblin Slayer, and they're publishing that simultaneously with Japan. And you can already check that out. And it's... I don't know what the premise of this specific Goblin Slayer spinoff is, but, you know, Goblin Slayer is about an adventurer, or at least a guy who thinks he, you know, wants to be an adventurer, but, like, he only kills goblins, and then the story begins with, like, a female priest who's joined his party, but they get into trouble, and then they are, and then he saves her, and then he's ranked gold third highest in the guild, subduing demons, and he's like, I'm not going to save the world, I just kill goblins. And so then a female elf approaches him with a request. So I don't know, like, what the specific premise is about. Maybe that is the specific premise. But yeah, hmm. if you like Goblin Slayer, there's another Goblin Slayer manga to read.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there you go.
1: And in addition to that, Cross Infinite World has licensed Dawn of the Mapmaker, a light novel series that they are planning to launch on July 31st on Kindle. And... It's about uh, an age where map-making is a lost art, and then this girl, Unin, hides her skill from the world at large, but she accepts a local landlord's request to survey the boundary between land and neighboring lords, and her maps accidentally give away her existence to a master swordsman and a cunning mage, who are a duo who have been hunting down the man who taught her the forbidden knowledge of map-making. And so, being one of the few people who are able to, you know, creating maps for bird's-eye precision, her fate... And hangs in the balance as she endeavors to survive in a world of people who want to see her dead. Because she can make maps. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that does it for licensing news. So, now we'll move on to just some industry stuff. And the first of which is Shonen Jump is having a new awards program called the New Vertical Manga Awards. So... These awards are going to honor manga intended for smartphones and other devices that scroll vertically. Mm, so well, that, that's basically interesting. The manga you submit for this contest they should be designed for like you know when you're scrolling pages vertically. So that's very interesting to focus on that formatting. So at least three manga uh, chosen as the grand prize of runners-up will be serialized in Shueisha's Shonen Jump Plus app and website and the grand prize winner will receive 1,000,000 yen, about 9,100 US dollars, and the runner-ups will receive 200,000 yen, or about 1,800 dollars, and honorable mentions will receive about 50,000 yen, which is about 450 dollars, and finalists will receive 10,000 yen, about 91 dollars. And so participants may submit works that have previously been posted online. And the contest is open to works of any genre and for any audience. And the entry period for this is, you know, it's already open and it's going to close on July 20th. And the winners will be announced around September. So this is another very cool contest that you should submit to if, like, you have a manga in mind that works really well in the vertical scrolling format. Sounds like a great competition to enter. Mm, Maybe you can get published in Shogun Plus.
0: It's definitely an interesting idea for a contest, um, mm-hmm. but some 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 pretty big news. I would say Kohei Horikoshi, the creator of My Hero Academia, is going to be attending as a guest at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, so that's that's a pretty huge news. Um, This will basically mark Horikoshi's first professional North American appearance, and Horikoshi will be participating in a My Hero Academia panel along with uh, uh, Christopher Sabat and uh, Justin Briner, who are both the voices of All Might and Deku in the uh, Funimation dub of My Hero Academia, the anime. And uh, he will also be participating in a Viz Media Show and Jump panel, and have two autograph sessions. For those who may not know, uh, Comic Con International will be taking place on the weekend of uh, July nineteenth through the twenty second. Um, so, if you want to go see, uh, if you want to go see Horikoshi, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how easy it is to get into Comic Con just a few months, you know, before the fact. But if you have the opportunity to go see Horikoshi, I, I suggest take the opportunity while you can. Because uh, I uh, I know this will be something I have to miss out on because, uh, God forbid, I ever could afford to go to San Diego, let alone go to San Diego Comic-Con. I'm intensely jealous, as as <laughs> you may be able to tell.
1: Yeah, this is really cool. I mean, it's always awesome when a mangaka visits the U.S. and attends a con and you get to see them. But mm. yeah, it's a shame I won't be going to San Diego Comic-Con because you now it's, it's set up. Not a good great time to you know, take off from work or whatever.
0: I hear that lines at San Diego Comic-Con for panels are, like, really intensely long, too.
1: Yeah, I have imagined. Like, that's kind of true for really any big con. Like, the New York Comic-Con, I remember the year Masashi Kishimoto came, it was, like, insane how long that line was. And they, Mm. like, you also have to, like, register for, like, that panel in advance because, like, they anticipated... That so many people would be interested in it. So you like, you couldn't just show up to it. You like had to, you had to already RSVP basically, which I neglected to do So I couldn't see Kishimoto that year, but it's like, it, it was insane. That line, I remember how big that was.
0: Did you have to do that for when you, when you saw Matsui? I forget.
1: Yeah, Matsui was also a pretty long line and also like, because there was more people who were, of course, interested in attending the panel than they had space for. Obviously, like, you had to be there early enough to make sure you got a seat. And I was, like, so nervous because I thought, you know, coming in an hour or whatever before the panel started would be enough. But, like, it was already an insanely long line. Wow. <laughs> an hour before the panel was supposed to start. So, yeah, I mean, I lucked out that I was barely managed to squeeze in there, I think. Because they close the line just a little bit after me, but yeah, uh, the you know you gotta plan ahead when you want to attend a big panel like that, because it's going to have a lot of traffic and a lot of attention. So you gotta be prepared to like stick camp out, stake out your place in order to get a spot in there
0: that that makes me even more appreciative that you that you got his autograph for me i really appreciate that still
1: <laughs> oh yeah now that is even harder because <laughs> they were only giving autographs to the first hundred to 100 people right so i wow. had to be there i had to be in a completely different place that night because it wasn't at new york comic-con itself it was at
0: it was at a kino Kinia. which is like
1: half hour away it was so it was a ways away from the convention wow. itself so you know I had to plan to make sure I got there early in time you know to be you know in the line so that I would be one of those 100 people with like 100 200 people you know who would so I could get the the signing even though I also planned ahead for that you know to be in the line in time like you know I was like there also, like at least a, an hour before like the event was supposed to start, or like at least a, a little bit early for uh, some time early for that. But mm. yeah, it's like you know still insanely long line, and it also took hours to just wait in that line. Like it <laughs> took like two hours in that line at least until I actually you know got to Matsui Sensei. So yeah, oh, like I was it. I was there for a while. It was a lot. It's a lot of standing in line. you know that's what conventions and signings are you 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 have to stand online for a long time for like maybe two minutes of interaction with uh the the person you want to meet but
0: still i feel bad because i feel like i'm never gonna get you anything as cool or as hard to obtain as that
1: (laughs) ah don't worry about it so but yeah um It's still worth it if you want to meet Horikoshi Sensei because he's also, you know, very super different about his identity and stuff. So getting to see him for like the first time will be pretty cool. Uh, Unless Mm -hmm. he wears a mask or something. But even then, still pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, Still pretty cool. So, yeah, if you can go to San Diego Comic Con, definitely do uh, if you want to see Horikoshi Sensei.
0: Mm hmm. So definitely take the opportunity if you can. But I think that's really about it for industry news. Uh, Now we'll just move on to some miscellaneous stuff. And uh, we'll move on to the anime part of that miscellaneous stuff by uh, just just talking about some cool stuff coming out of the anime woodwork. Um, So it looks like uh, One Piece is getting a new uh, new sort of reanimated recap kind of special thing that uh, they come out with every once in a while. You know, the, they just kind of retell parts of the story, but, like, they're usually pretty fun. Anyway, I I personally really enjoyed, like, episode of East Blue. I, I thought that was somewhat enjoyable. And it looks like uh, we're going to be getting another one of those, uh, this time covering Skypea. So, yeah, One Piece episode of Skypea will be premiering on August 25th, and uh, I'm sure that Crunchyroll will probably pick it up I would definitely used to be one of those people that, like, used to just kind of bash Skypea because at the time it didn't really feel like it connected to the overall story, whereas nowadays Skypea actually is actually kind of an important arc as far as, like, the world of One Piece goes. It actually actually does connect to, to the story as far as that goes, but... And so, obviously, I have, I have a bigger appreciation for that arc, and I actually kind of want to reread it at some point, but, but yeah, so I, I can't wait to re-experience that arc, so... Yeah, that's coming out, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching it.
1: Yep, I liked Skypea before it was cool to like Skypea, <laughs> so you know, I'm super excited to see it get reanimated and see the story like retold, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: I will say that I, I was always a fan of, um what was it, the, the Noland and uh, Kagura flashback, yeah, uh, despite everything. Probably actually my favorite portion of the arc. But uh, on to some even bigger anime news. Um, so we talked about last episode, I believe, how there was a certain uh, do- domain uh, name registered for uh, for the Provost Everland. That may or may not have indicated that it was getting an anime. Well, guess what? It's getting an anime. It's been confirmed in the in the latest issue of uh, Shonen Jump at the time of this recording that the Promised Neverland is getting a TV anime next January on next January 2019, and uh, we'll be airing on the uh, Noitamina block, which unfortunately means that it's probably going to be an Amazon exclusive. So that kind of bums me out a little bit, but. I mean, I don't know, like, as much as I'm kind of wary of using Amazon to watch, you know, uh, anime or whatever, just because I've heard very very, uh, uh, unsavory things about its service and whatnot, it makes me really not want to use it. But I mean, if it's for the promised Neverland, I might actually consider it. So, I mean, I don't know.
1: At least, like, get a free trial after the show has finished airing so you can binge watch it in a stretch. (sighs)
0: oh shit, that's actually a pretty smart idea. I didn't even think about it like that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah. um, I do want to support the promise of Neverland Anime when it comes out. And um, if it means I have to use Amazon, then I'll do it. Why not? I mean, hell, like, they're already getting so many other like really interesting shows. Like I think both Banana Fish and Katakuri Circus are going to be on there, so it might be worth looking into next year, honestly. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Promise Neverland getting a slot on Noitamina is pretty interesting because first it tells us that it is going to be aimed at the late night audience, but it also kind of gives us an idea of like how long the show might run because Noitamina shows either are one or two core and run for either 11 episodes or 22 episodes. So if it's an 11 episode season, That has to mean it's just going to cover Gracefield, Mm -hmm. which I I think is doable with that amount of episodes. And if it's 22 episodes, it can probably cover up to the end of where the current stretch of chapters is, whatever the conclusion to whatever this current arc is, because that would be the only satisfying place to really leave it off. So you you have to get to that battle with Luvis to close it off. Which could be good work for a conclusion for, you
0: know, a 22-episode season. I kind of hope that maybe... I'm personally thinking that it's more likely they'll just cover the Gracefield arc. Yeah. Because I think that'd be a more... I think that'd be a more satisfying place to leave off. It's kind of on a cliffhanger. And it would probably leave people excited for, like, you know, to see where the story goes after that. I, I think... I think that'd be a more satisfying conclusion, and I think that would just leave people wanting more.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: So, personally, I think that's more likely, but, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm just, I'm so excited to see how this is going to turn out. Like, I really hope this turns out good.
1: Yeah. You know, for all I know, they could also make a 22-episode season just off of Gracefield if they just do a two-chapter per episode pacing. So, we'll see. Mm, I mean, as long as the direction's good, I, I could live with that, I think. Yeah. I mean, Promise Neverland might... Benefit from that kind of slower pace, too. But we don't know any of those details yet.
0: Yeah, this is all speculation at this point, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking it out one way or another. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, anyway, so. Oh,
1: also, related, uh Kimitsu no Yaiba had an anime announcement as well. Uh, oh that yeah, that's af- right. That at the time of this recording, it w- hasn't been officially like confirmed. So you know, A and N and like official news sites haven't reported it, but like it's been leaked already. So we know it's coming, and we saw the key visual from Production I.G. So it's gonna be in good hands, and it mm, looks be- really good. So you know, Promise Everline and Committed to My are getting anime next year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them animated. Isn't it
0: from UFO Table? Oh, UFO Table, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I saw that too. And honestly, it looks really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure by the time this episode's out, that'll have been confirmed officially. But yeah, it's really cool to see two new, really big jump series get in get a new anime. That's yeah, just, basically, that's just really nice all the big
1: see. jump series have got an anime by this point now that mm. are currently running in the magazine. I don't think, like, anything more than two years old is lacking an anime now.
0: Just think, uh, I'm sure We Never Learn will get an anime. Dr. Stone has to get an anime. Yeah. It just, it just has to. Maybe Robot Laser Beam? I don't know. If it continues doing well. But let's see. So moving on, uh, Funimation actually announced pretty recently that they'll be screening the world premiere of the first episode of Attack on Titan Season 3 in 130 U.S. and Canadian theaters from July 10th to the 11th. And that the event will also include a screening of Attack on Titan The Roar of Awakening, uh, which is apparently a recap film of uh, Attack on Titan Season 2. Let's see. So screenings will start on July 10th. Or, um, I'm sorry. Screenings on... Screenings will be on Tuesday, July 10th. Those will be in Japanese with English subtitles, uh, while screenings on Wednesday, July 11th will be English dubbed. So they're really pulling out all the stops.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'm definitely probably going to go to this. So
0: If I were actually caught up at Attack on Titan, I would probably actually go to this.
1: Where was the last time you left off on Attack on Titan?
0: I haven't watched any of season two. Actually, no, that's a lie. I forgot. I, I did check out the first episode of season two. Well, but I mean, I did,
1: they're yeah. doing a compilation film of season two, so you'll get caught up on the story. Uh,
0: I mean, that's true. Maybe maybe I'll just bite the <laughs> bullet and just watch the compilation <laughs> film. I don't know. I I have a couple of friends who might want to go to this, so I'll, I'll probably end up going. I mean, I'd, I'd like to. I mean, it seems really cool. Mm-hmm. Getting to see the world premiere of a new season of an anime in theaters, like <laughs> I don't know, it seems kind of hard for me to pass up. Mm-hmm, yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to it. I always attend every anime screening possible, so
0: I'm definitely so, going to this one too. Mm, and, so, 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 would this count as an episode of uh, at movies or uh, at anime?
1: That's <laughs> well, we did Ancient Make is his Bride uh, Crunchyroll Movie Night screening as an at movies. Even though that was just three episodes of Ancient is Bride. So I guess we would do this as an ad movies because we're seeing it in a movie theater. And there's a theatrical experience to talk about.
0: And plus there's a movie before the first episode anyway, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So hmm. it would be like an ad movies. Uh, I don't know if we will do an ad movies on this. But yeah, if we feel passionate enough and we do it in a timely enough manner what usually has been killing us from doing a lot of act movies as much as we want to do is that we like don't do it immediately and then we just like lose our passion to do it oh like, yeah because I was yeah. you know we were gonna do Deadpool 2 <laughs> we've seen Deadpool do twice but we did <laughs> not record immediately after seeing it so we just now it's like uh, I don't know if we'll do it just now mm.
0: it's already been yeah. too long yeah uh, that's unfortunate but
1: uh... yeah but there'll always be opportunities we see plenty of movies <laughs>
0: Um but no yeah definitely go check this out if you're an Attack on Titan fan I mean it's it's a pretty neat opportunity
1: Mhm also a neat opportunity is a chance to win one of Winland Saga creators Makoto Yukimura's used pen nibs because Winland Saga has been published in Kodansha's Afternoon magazine more than 150 times. So to celebrate to occasion, there's a campaign offering fans a chance to win one of 150 of his used pen nips. And fans can enter for a chance to win between now and June 24th. And basically he uses G-Pens to write the manga. And... After writing only about four or five pages, G pen nibs become unusable, so he has to change them. So he saved 150 of his used pen nibs. And yeah, you can be one of 150 people to own a pen nib used by Makoto Yukimura. Which, hey, if you're a Windland Saga fan, it's pretty cool. And you can use a link on Afternoon's website to enter the contest. And I'll try and leave the link in the episode description for you guys to go check that out too. And then the used pendants will go out to the winners in late July.
0: Hmm, that's interesting.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Also interesting is a list of must-read Detective Conan ones created by a dedicated fan as we all know, Detective Conan is 94 volumes long, so it's a bit unwieldy for a lot of people, because if they are only interested in the story, which volumes do they read? Because... Not every volume has plot relevant stories because it's mostly episodic. So this anonymous poster on his blog, he listed all the volumes that are imported for you to read, which is volume one because that's where it starts, volume two because that's when the the Akemi Miyano story happens. So what's interesting about this is like he listed by volumes and not story art. Hmm. So there's like a lot of volumes on here and it's like, I counted it, it's like 51 volumes total. So there's still 51 plot-relevant volumes of Detective Conan out of this 94-volume series that, you know, if you want to get into Conan, you still have to read 50-plus volumes to, you know, read it. And basically, yeah, all the stuff that he lists, yeah, he lists all the plot-important arcs, basically, and then some arcs that are, like, maybe not necessarily, like, super plot-important, but are still important character stories. So, like, Moonlight Sonata, he lists that because that's, like, one of the most popular stories. And it does affect Conan a little bit because it's the first time he's not able to bring a criminal to justice or save someone. So, it's still, like, an important story for his development, even if it doesn't relate to the whole, like, black organization thing. So, Mm -hmm. there are stories like that also included in this list. So, if you're interested in getting... Into Detective Conan, but don't necessarily want to read all 94 volumes. You can check this list out for at least, like, the 50 volumes that most matter in terms of if you just purely want to understand the story of Conan.
0: It looks like volumes 83 to 92 are, like... It seems like those consistently have, like, a lot, yeah. of, uh, a lot of story to them, which I find really interesting.
1: Yeah, basically... It's been more plot-dense in recent volumes.
0: Which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously Aoyama's not getting any younger, and, you know, kind of kind of like with Togashi, you know, the, there, there's going to be a point where, like—or I guess with most uh, authors of, like, long-running things, like, there's going to be a point where it's like, okay, maybe maybe I should, like, find a way to wrap this up, or at least start focusing on that however long it takes me or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um so that's really interesting um as as someone who is nowhere near caught up on detective conan as he should be because especially for somebody who helps run a conan podcast i uh, all of these look really interesting to me i can't wait to can't wait to get to some of these
1: Mm -hmm. this is a very handy list
0: for a potential conan connoisseur but i guess the next thing we'll be talking about you know not necessarily manga related but you know we thought it was kind of cool um so it, it, in case you've been living under a rock uh, fully cooly i think uh i mean at the time of this recording it'll have already premiered but you know, fully cooly 2 is premiered and i i'm pretty sure fully cooly 3 is also a thing i haven't really been keeping yeah, up with that comes out yeah. in september okay yeah personally i i'm like i'm not going to say i hate fully or anything but like <laughs> I I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I've, I I kind of want to rewatch it cuz I feel like I'd have a different opinion of it cuz I I'm not really somebody who like grew up on Foolie Coolie, like or watched it I guess when it first aired on Adult Swim cuz my parents didn't allow me to watch a lot of Adult Swim even though I did try to watch as much Adult Swim uh out of the, out of their sight as possible. But, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh it just wasn't something I watched when I was younger. I don't think I watched it until like oh, how long ago was that? Like maybe four years ago or something? It's mm-hmm. still 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 a bit of a ways away, but still. Um but I, I do remember uh the thing I like most about Foolie Cooley, and still like the number one thing I like most about Foolie Coolie is the music. Like I think the Pillows are a great band and I think I think they make a lot of great stuff, and I like I like a lot of their music in Fully Cooley, which is good because apparently Adult Swim announced pretty recently that they'll be hosting a six city concert tour for The Pillows and uh, their music for Fully Cooley, along with them, uh, all female band Noodles and former Smith Westerns frontman uh, Colin Omori will be uh, opening the show, and uh, tickets are now available on the Adult Swim website. Uh, let's see Dayton and venues for concert tours are as follows. Uh, let's see, the Pels will be going to uh, Cambridge on July 10th at the Sinclair, uh, New York City at uh, on July 12th at the Gramercy Theater, uh, Seattle on July 15th at the Neptune, Portland on uh, July 16th at the Hawthorne Theater, San Francisco on July 18th at August Hall, and last but not least, Los Angeles on July 19th at the Regent, or Regent, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I I wish there was a I wish there was a concert happening uh, near the Midwest. But uh, I mean, you know, sometimes I it's wish just... I
1: still lived in New York because I know where the Gramercy is. I pass by that almost every day. And man, oh, if only they could have come in the spring.
0: Oh man, but no, yeah. Any again, just like with Horikoshi, you know, anybody who has the opportunity to go see the Pillows in concert uh, should should really get on that because I can only imagine what it what it'd be like to hear their music live. But anyway, uh, sp- speaking of things that we'd like to go to but can't.
1: Yeah, it's too bad I don't live in Japan too because there is another cool thing happening over there. There's going to be a Go Nagai exhibition happening o- in Osaka and Tokyo this September, celebrating 50 years of Go Nagai's legacy, a half century of his legacy. You know, they're going to, you know, celebrate all of the breadth of contributions to manga in this exhibition, which will be on September 8th through September 24th, hosted at the Osaka Culturarium at Tempo-san. And it's going to contain over 600 manga manuscripts and color illustrations spanning the guy's 50-year career. One area is going to recreate the world view of Mazinga Z, well, and Devilman, while featuring other secret materials, and the guy himself is going to visit the exhibition on opening day to sign autographs. And there will be original goods on sale, including solo Chokugin Mazinger Z figures in alternate scheme color, and then the Gonagai exhibition in. Tokyo will also be in September at Dueno Royal Museum. And more details on that will be announced in the future. But man, yeah, I mean, Go Nagai has certainly seen a revival this year with so many new anime adaptions of his works. And in Japan, they're celebrating his contributions to manga with this great exhibition. And man, I, there's so many great exhibitions going on in Japan that I wish I was there so I could attend them all. But regardless, pretty cool to see Go guy celebrated as he is. And hopefully we can celebrate Gona Guy 2 when we talk about our next thing. If our guest is here. Is he here? I don't know. I guess he'll find out. But maybe we'll talk about something from Gona Guy coming up next!
0: All right, good, he's here. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, we have today, joining us for our discussion, the one, the only, Josh Dunham, host of Senpai Coast to Coast and the founder of WaveMotionCannon.com.
2: I like this manga. It's very good. It's the goodest manga I've read in a long hour time. End review. Debil
0: See that that would that would be our shortest episode ever, <laughs> and that's why you got me on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's why we got you on the podcast, Josh, because uh, you're, no, a you more four
1: hour long podcast that was nice and sustained.
0: Yeah, we are you're known for your less than two hour podcasts.
2: Jeez, Louise, man. Uh, so yeah, I'm Josh Dunham. You probably have not heard of or from me for a very long time. But uh, I'm still around and kicking, just much, much, much slower than usual.
1: Excellent, and it's great to have you back on the show, Josh. It has been over a year and a half since we've had you on here.
2: Christ Jesus, has it been that long? Fuck. Yes,
1: the last time we talked was during our Inuyasha manga fight.
2: Oh yeah, that's right, I remember that shit. Dude, that was dope. That was hella dope.
1: I think that we should do a rematch on the subject of today's discussion, actually. We should schedule a manga fight about the manga we'll be talking about today for sometime at a later date. I think we could get into a really cool, passionate argument about it or have some really fun debates surrounding it. Because this is a title with a storied legacy and a lot of crazy things to cover.
0: So yeah, what what, what are we talking about, Sid?
1: We are talking about a classic manga from the uh, legendary Gona guy who is celebrating his 50th anniversary of his career this year with a bunch of multimedia projects that are popping up all throughout the year, including most famously, right at the beginning of the year, Devilman Cryberry, Masaki Yuasa's adaptation of his original Devilman manga, which hit Netflix and took the anime fandom by a storm. People were saying right at the beginning of the year that it, was already anime of the year. It was that good. It was that amazing and impressive. But even before then, Seven Seas had undertaken the effort to license and translate Go Nagai's material. So it's a fortuitous coincidence that they had scheduled their release of Gonagai's original manga for this year. And in May 2018, it came out in a beautiful hardcover volume. The first of two hardcovers That will uh, comprise the entirety of the original Devilman, plus a little uh, extra in the form of Shin Devilman chapters, which have been sliced in here as well.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting surprise that uh, I definitely didn't find out just before this recording.
1: Apparently, uh, Shin Devilman has been included in re-releases of the uh, Devilman manga since the late 80s. Specifically, the version that Seven Seas decided to localize and release also included it in the order that it is presented uh, in their edition.
2: So if I could interject right here, um, just like a fun fact, nothing like super serious, but uh, this is actually not the first English language release of Devilman. Back in the day, Kadansha did a uh, dual bilingual Uh, release or whatnot and essentially it had uh, the Japanese outside of the panels and that sort of thing and then you could actually read the English translation in there it was really really neat I have one of the volumes lying around somewhere but uh, yeah it's pretty pretty dope but I mean it's nice to have the actual proper treatment and actually have this in such a nice uh, format a very nice kind of looking book here and core 7c's I was really hoping that vertical would pick it up because I really want to see the vertical treatment given to this but like i guess gona guy and tezuka are not the same person go figure so
1: well i think seven seas gave this book the vertical treatment in terms of like the quality of vertical books because it's a really nice looking hardcover they've got lots of color pages in here and the pages are super crisp and nice and quality material like this is a really good looking book it's pretty damn great release
0: mm-hmm yeah I, I i was really I was really surprised at how high quality it was honestly when I got it in the mail um i'm I'm personally very happy with it
1: I wasn't too surprised because I think they knew they wanted to put in like they wanted to go the extra mile with this release because they originally intended to release this in February, but then they pushed it back into May, so they wanted to give this some extra
0: time.
2: This would have been a great gift for your valentine. I don't know why they didn't do that.
0: (laughs) Um, So I guess, um, Sid, do you want to go over just really quickly about um, what Devilman is actually about?
1: Devilman is the story of two boys, Ryo Asuka and Akira Fudo. And so Akira Fudo starts off the series as this meek, you know, good little boy. Well, he's not a little boy, but, you know, he's an innocent fella. He doesn't like picking fights. He isn't the violent type. But he is constantly getting bullied because of that. But he doesn't like to fight with fists. He tries to talk people down, but he can't stand up for, like, himself with violence. And that is until... His good buddy, Ryo Asuka, returns uh, and he has a changed man. He he has a cold, cool demeanor, really indifferent about violence and everything. And he just has random guns he keeps in his coat and he threatens people with... And there's something off about him, but Akira is just happy to see his friend again. But Ryo is not back just for pleasantries, just for fun's sake. No, he's here to recruit Akira for a cause, and that cause is to fight a. Against the return of demons who are awakening from their two million year old slumber. And so Ryo has realized because of his father's research that the demons are planning to invade humanity, take over human bodies, and destroy humanity from within. And so, the only way to fight demons is to become a demon himself. So, he has recruited Akira because Akira is so pure of heart. And because he is so pure of heart, he is the only one who could harness the power of a devil and still retain his humanity. At least that's what Rio thinks, in theory. And so, they go to this crazy nightclub full of uh, debauchery and sin and orgies and drugs. All that fun stuff. And then Rio just start shooting people, killing people in order to, you know, cause negative emotions to swell, cause chaos to entice the demons to take over human bodies, and begin a ritual that will allow Akira to also get possessed himself. And Akira does, and he becomes Devil Man. And Then the rest of the story is Devilman fighting against demons who want to take him down and take over humanity. And then eventually he becomes involved in the war between humans and demons himself. And how that eventually reduces down to a war between humans turning against each other.
2: So it's also important to mention real quick. That in this process of demons kind of taking control of humans or whatnot, that usually is what happens is that the demon fuses with a human and the human kind of loses their human form and actually becomes, you know, one of these demons or whatnot. And it's like a full-fledged, basically just as if it were like a monster from, you know, the depths of hell type shit. Um, Devilman Akira is is very important in this fact because – he gets possessed by Amon, but because he is such a Peter Parker, you know, very mild-mannered young kid, his innocence kind of overpowers you know the general of hell. He's basically like Satan's right hand and that's you know, that type of shit. He's the most powerful demon. Um, so he is kind of caught in the middle. And this plays a very big role going forward, being caught in the middle, you know, kind of, of all this different um these different teams and like what is your identity and that sort of thing. There are a lot of Themes that play off of this fact here in Devilman uh, and Guy's other works as well, which I'm sure will come up here and there in conversation. But like, damn, like that whole scene of just that happening. I remember I got introduced to this. I'm going off on a tangent, and bring me back if I'm going too crazy.
0: Well, I well I was gonna say I guess like before we get into all that, what is I, I kind of want to talk about like what our experience with Devilman and Guy is. I guess just going into. Uh, reading uh reading the manga here from seven seas because personally um, really it wasn't a t- like my first exposure to devil man i guess technically because like you know even before i watched cry baby on netflix you know i was i was pretty aware of like um of you know all the certain like certain pages from the manga that had become like memes and people would use those and whatnot because uh Rio asuka is a um is a perfect character for internet memes because he has some of the funniest pages in the entire series. Um, and whether they're intentional or not, I have no idea, but I think that's just, that's just part of the magic of Devilman. Um, so, you know, I didn't really know much about it going into Crybaby. And, um, you know, personally, I really enjoyed Crybaby. It's like, like by the end, I really, I really liked it. And I really enjoyed it, uh, the ending of Crybaby in particular. Um, and so, you know, uh, watching cry baby I was pretty much convinced to you know check out the original source and um you know I have only read I've basically only read as much as seven seasons released but you know so far just to kind of jump ahead here real quick I, I I feel pretty compelled to read the rest um I'm really liking what I'm reading so far and uh and yeah like I really I haven't really had any experience with any other going to guy stuff I haven't really ever read any like cutie honey or anything. Um, I'm struggling to remember off the top of my head his other works. I, I think Moussinger Z Shameless School. Yeah. Um, and I've heard a lot about that you know on the internet especially like through Maxie Bernard a good friend from French Member Victory who's talked about it before in various circles and so you know I've always heard about going to guys work second hand but like I guess really it wasn't until this year that I've really experienced any Devil Man. And like I said, I've re- I'm have i really liking what I've read so far. Um, what about you guys?
2: For me, my introduction was basically through the Jason Thompson article that featured on ANN like way mm. back when. Out of a thousand manga. Yes. Like Jason Thompson is an amazing – Amazing guy. Like, I would love to just sit down at his feet and have him tell me stories about like his days editing the American edition of Shonen Jump or like fucking just going on and on about manga. But basically, he started talking about Devilman and he had a whole article devoted to it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't even know who Gona Guy was. Uh Now it's like, how can you not know who Gunagai is? I'd say he's nearly as impressive as uh Tezuka and some of his contributions to the manga community, the manga world, you know? Not nearly as pioneer-like, but in some ways, in smaller ways, he definitely was. I just remember reading it because, like, this was back, like, early 2000s type shit. Like, I'm reading scans of this. And, uh man, like... You you know, when, when your comparisons are Yu-Gi-Oh and <laughs> fucking Dragon Ball Z and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden you're, like, reading Devilman, you know, it's like, what, I- what is this? It was a lot of people, a lot of old heads when it comes to anime are always talking about, like, oh, I was watching all these other cartoons, and then anime came on, and it was, like, so different. And I kind of was, like, I almost cringe at that because, like... It feels like such an old thing to say. It's very personal. I'm not making fun of him for that because that's exactly how I felt reading this manga compared to, like, all the other manga I was reading. It's like, shit, there's some depth here that I'm not, like, fully comprehending. Like, there's some, some, like, really – there's a gravitas to this work, and that's actually kind of prevalent in all of Gonagai's stuff despite being so childlike.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, despite how indulgent his work is in the violence and sexuality and all of that kind of stuff, like, there is an underlying theme to it that ties it all together in an interesting way and makes it, like, it's more than just the flashiness of, like, violence and sex and stuff. It's, like, there's a point to this in the story.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt watching Crybaby, Um, because there was a point where... You know, at first I was kind of like, oh, man, this is this is really cool. All the sex and violence is pretty cool. And plus it's directed by Masaki Yuasa, who, you know, does a lot of really good work. And I thought he uh, really I, I thought he really, uh, brought his own uh, unique flair to Cry Baby in particular, as he was the one who directed that series. But, uh, yeah, I, at first I just kind of enjoyed it because, you know, it was really violent and everything. But there was a point where I realized, oh, man, like. The not guy's really trying to say something with this work. And I didn't really fully comprehend it at the time. And I'm not really sure if I still do, but like you could tell there is actually like a message to his work or at least to the devil man in particular. And I think that's what I really appreciated about it is that it's wasn't, it wasn't just a celebration of violence that like, there were actually some like, you know, at least in cry baby, like there were some really emotional arcs that these characters were going through and, you know, I actually wanted to see uh, where these characters would go and how they would grow. And, um, you know, it was really amazing because I honestly wasn't expecting that from, you know, from something like Devilman.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reputation of Gona guys works is that they are just super hyper violent, hyper sexualized. And that is like what you t- tends to be like. Uh, propagated about his work and you don't usually see like when people bring up Nego Nagai they bring up like the deeper like the thematic aspects of Tyler's work together they bring up the flash but not always the substance at least in my experience like when I just see people talking when I had seen people talking about it his stuff before this year uh and not really going deeply into it they would bring up that kind of stuff, but they wouldn't talk about, you know, what was he trying to say with this work? They would bring up, like, kind of the crazier stuff that happens in it, like, you know, decapitations and crazy transformations and forgotten vagina monsters and all that
2: <laughs> stuff. I think one thing that's super important before we launch too far into this conversation, we do need to understand the creator going to Guy and who he was. Like, this is a kid who grew up, like, with a the illustrated version of the Bible by Gustav Dor. So he's seeing these very gothic looking, um, very expressionistic art that he tries to mimic. In fact, he even kind of does in some of his manga panels for different manga. Uh, he does like recreations of the Gustav Dorr. Um, granted, they're not nearly as magnificent because it's in a manga, but my point is um, he's, he's very influenced by this, had an early Christian influence in his life as a kid. Uh, he actually, funny story, almost died from diarrhea or something like that. (laughs) Whoa. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, there's even a story that's floating around and I want to kick myself right now because I have like a version of that to be translated. Um, but basically I was reading through like an old game, um, form or something like that, reading about Shin Megami Tensei, which came out around, it's a video game uh, that came out around the same time as all this. And, um supposedly the creators, when they went to go do the second Shin Megami Tensei game, they had heard that Gonagai had offered to get an exorcism when he was in the middle of writing Devilman. So, like, there's a lot of fucking mystique that goes on around this whole manga. Like, Gonagai had had a lot of experiences, even though he was like, what, only 20-something when he's doing this? Like, this came out in, like, the 70s, 72 or something like that. So he's sitting here as a young 20-year-old man, thought he was going to die. He's always exploring – he's always on the fringes with his work, whether it be sexuality or evil or um, actual violence or whatever the case may be. You could talk about all these different works and at one point I kind of want to tie these all thematically together because in order to understand Devil Man, you have to understand so many other things. But like this is the guy who created – super robots and that was born out of devil man If we didn't have devil uh devil man we would not have machine Z, which is the whole you know mecha thing that was going on um you know we may not even have magical girls because if you stop and think about it like cutie honey was one of the major pioneering aspects about that now granted you had sally the witch and all these other things so the foundation was already there but i mean i would argue that sailor moon takes more from cutie honey than it does
1: especially in transformation sequences
2: Especially, yeah. So, I mean, like, this is a guy, although he's really perverse and kind of like your perverted uncle, um, he has experience on his side that we may not – like, I've never thought I was going to die from diarrhea. Like, that's, like, the most amazing way I can think of going out is just, like, I literally (laughs) shit myself to death. Like, it's not funny, but it's fucking hilarious. And it's just, like, I cannot think of a better way for going guy to have possibly left this world. Like – when he when he talks about hell this man knows some shit pardon the pun
1: i think that definitely comes out in his work that paranoia about that that fear of dying in some horrific like crazy way that could be even darkly humorous i think that you know it definitely carries over and is expressed through devil man and it's really interesting that he felt like he wanted to get an exorcism during the writing of Devilman. Maybe he felt like he was being possessed by a devil himself and that was coming out through his work and that was making him afraid. Kind of like how, and maybe that's reflected in how Ryo's arc progresses and how Ryo becomes more frightened about how all his predictions are coming true and like what he his humanity really is, if he is really human, so... And it's really interesting to think about, like, what is going on in Gouda Guy's like, and how that came through in Devilman and made it what it is.
2: Mm. Now, another thing, real quick, to mention, uh, some other names. We mentioned Tezuka Osamu Tezuka, obviously, you know, the god of manga, and then, of course, there's his assistant uh, Shotaro Ishinomori, who you probably know from creating Common Rider, Cyborg 009, amongst many other things. Shotaro Ishinomori is to Gonagai, just like Tezuka was to Ishinomori. So we kind of have like a very interesting, um, you know, master and disciple lineage. This is like if if freaking Gonagai is the subject here, he's literally kind of like the grandson, I say that in air quotes, of Tezuka. And that's super hyper interesting to me that literally the Tezuka school – ended up technically going through Gonagai and Gonagai is so drastically different but in many ways very very similar to Tezuka, you know, doing these very cartoonish type characters then turning around and talking about very deep things like one of um Gonagai's influences in addition to the Bible was um Tezuka's um I want to call it Lost World is that what it's called Yes. Dark Horse put it out like years ago. It's in a small white and orange volume. They find a new planet. There are dinosaurs there and all that shit. Um, dinosaurs are a huge aspect in fucking Gona Guy's brain just as much as demons or sexuality and violence. So it's it's very interesting. Like if I were to describe Gona Guy, i say like, yeah, so he likes sex, violence, demons, and dinosaurs. Like basically four Ds all over the place. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that makes sense, considering that's, that's how the story, like, literally the story of Devilman starts in, like... Yeah, the
1: time with dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Now, I kind
2: of want to talk about a couple things and just launch right long into it, but in order to, like, really, for me, Devilman is not its own standalone work. You have to have read Demon Lord Dante. Have either of you read that?
0: I have not, actually, no.
1: Unfortunately, I haven't.
2: Oh my god, you guys are killing me. Okay, so like Demon Lord Dante is super hyper important because it's one of the first things that Gonagai created before Devil Man. In fact, he created about a year before Devil Man. And it has a lot of similar aspects. The main character's name is Rio, who, you know, gets reused later. Um And basically, Rio kind of ends up becoming devil man, sort of, kind of, he goes up to the Himalayas and there he ends up, you know, fusing with Dante, the demon Lord Dante. Mao Dante is literally, you know, evil King Dante or something like that. Magic evil King Dante. Um, and we find out that Dante is actually, um, like the demon incarnation of Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus and shit. So like already trying to be very provocateur, you know, typical Gona guy shit, but whatever. Um, Then he brings in Satanists, and there's a whole ritual and shit uh, very similar to Devil Man. But what ends up happening, which is very interesting, is that the main character ends up becoming a giant monster, very akin to something like Godzilla. And as you find out the backstory of Demon Lord Dante, you find out that um, Dante used to be an actual human, who, again, was Judas Iscariot, but he lived in a super hyper- um, futuristic city um sodom and then there's like gomorrah or whatever and then god came down and god is like basically the sun he's just this giant ball of energy and he fucks everything up because the people who were there the humans who were already there um didn't you know want to go with god or whatever so he paints god in the very shin megami tensei type way which references his work um as god is the asshole god is the bad guy which of course is super provocative you know Uh, for a lot of mainstream Christian beliefs and this, that, the other thing. So he goes on and basically this character, Rio, ends up flying away in a super jet, which is later revisited in um, Get a Robo. Okay. So we get that element later. He crashes into a dinosaur and then gets like, he can't get away. He crashes into a T-Rex. He can't get away. Fucking God is like, well, screw you. You're going to be lit on fire forever. And so basically he ends up fusing with his jet and a dinosaur, which is how Demon Lord Dante has this giant ass kind of kaiju type form. And in reality, if you think about it, it's already laying the groundworks for what Mecha is. This is a character who's controlling a giant monster, basically a machine. Um, If you've watched Shin Mazinger with um, the whole idea of like Koji Kabuto sitting there Uh, in the Mazinger, and he's like, you can either be the greatest devil, or, you know, the ultimate god, or whatever the case may be. And he's like, I can't control the robot, and the robot's just swinging around. That is like, beat for beat, an homage to Demon Lord Dante. Like, that's exactly how that was. So, Mm. it's very important as we go on, and I'll probably reference Demon Lord Dante going through, because there are elements that you'll learn about as God, a guy goes through his works that he's developed. Like, for example, in Demon Lord Dante, you know, the original humans are not the humans that you and I are. The humans that you and I are evolved from apes and God kind of like bestowed a little bit of his essence into these creatures. So that way we became intelligent and were the modern humans of today. So, essentially, you get this idea of, like, the demons aren't necessarily the bad guys. The people who are fusing with the demons are not the bad guys. And that's revisited in Devil Man, especially when you get towards the ending with World War III and all these sorts of things happening. That is, like, you have the army who's the bad guy. You have, like, the angels who are bad guys. But, like, only the people who are fused with demons are actually, like, the individuals who are fighting for their own freedom. So... I mean, there's lots of shit in there, and I'm I'm kind of done with that rant. But I mean, like, please, for the love of God, go and read Demon Lord Dante. Like, it's super short. It's like three volumes of manga. You'll easily get through it, and then you'll be, like, super, super into Devilman that much more.
1: You gave a good sell, so I definitely am going to. But it's just incredibly fascinating that Nagai portrays God as the villain, as, like, the antagonistic force in both Demon Lord Dante and in Devilman, it's like Nogai sympathizes with the deviants, with the monsters, outcasts of society. And that's very interesting to me because, like, the heroic force in Devilman, ultimately, are the devilmen who are being hunted down and to be, you know killed by the governments of the world because they're afraid of them because they are seen as different and they are seen as dangerous and stuff and of course in the conclusion of devil man ultimately we find that the reason that rio that satan did everything he did was because god created demons and then he he decided he hated demons who so was going to destroy them. And Satan was like, that is unfair. They are deserving of life. And so he waged war against God to help the demons. And ultimately, you know, when he woke uh, 2 million years later and saw that, you know, humanity was there, you know, he kind of forgot his lesson. That was like, you know, humans are also deserving of life because he saw humans as defiling that the earth, that the demons should have right over and so he kind of repeats God's mistake and, you know, commits, like, genocide an entire race of being on its life. So he, you know, becomes what he fought against originally. And the manga just ends with, you know, on this incredibly bittersweet, well, it's a pretty depressing ending. It's a tragic ending because... You know, uh, Ryo and the devils and the demons, they've won. They've killed all the devil men. They've killed all the humans. But now God and his angels are coming down to fight them. They've exhausted all their energy, all their power. And so now they're going to get wiped out. So, you know, it's just really sad, cyclical cycle of just violence and massacre that ultimately just wipes out all life. Well, I mean, it
2: to me, and this is going to sound a little cheesy, that ending is comparable to like Romeo and Juliet, because these are two lovers on opposite sides who are fighting against each other. They still love each other, despite all their differences, and they're both going to meet the same fate because people around them uh, don't appreciate their love. I would go so far as to say, and I, I mean this in the most respectful way, but just in thematically, like... When you look at guy and he starts creating things like, okay, um, Machine Z, he created to blow off steam because he was getting so much resistance from Devil Man. So that's all about masculinity. Uh, it's the 80s, you know, or early 70s still where like Japan is becoming a tech giant. So you could easily argue that the first giant robot, you know, or not the first giant robot, but like the first mecha. Um, You know, Machine Grzee is all about man coming to terms with his technology, his creations, where you could say like Cutie Honey is, is all about coming to terms with sexuality, whether it be transgender or homosexuality. And I'm not saying it's like these things are the greatest representation about this. But you know, Gona Guy is always sitting on the fringes trying to poke people's consciousness with things that make them uncomfortable and his kind of beginning works here with Mal Dante and and Devilman really put him on the map outside of Gaku. he's really trying to push this idea that, hey, maybe what you think is evil isn't actually evil. And when you take that as the thesis statement going into all his other manga and all his other works, it kind of makes sense what he's doing. You know, at the time, how do you talk about these topics of sexuality and violence without seeming completely decadent? Well, Go and a guy says, "Fuck it, I'm just going to seem completely depraved and craven and dive right in, and you can like it or you won't and I think it tickles the psyche in such a way that you're willing to kind of hear the message now granted he delivers the message with a hatchet when he needs a scalpel, but the <coughs> message is still there, so when you look at like this group of individuals in Devil Man, they're being hunted by regular humans. Okay, that's that makes sense. So they're being hunted and persecuted by these people. This these could be uh, people who believe something outside the norm in terms of religion or politics, or maybe their sexuality is a bit askew, or this, that, the other thing. Or maybe they just are labeled as evil. Basically, the rejects of society are all being kind of forced together and demonized both literally and figuratively in the manga and they're being wiped out by, quote unquote, the forces of good, this whole dogma of what is considered sacred and what is considered good and just and all that sort of thing. Um, so both society and dogmatic practices are sandwiching these these marginalized groups of people until literally their own destruction. And if you don't stop and look at it, uh, you're going to end up just like them. And I think that's really what, you know, Devilman is all about. Once you can kind of look at that in that light... This stops becoming, whoa, LOL, crazy Japan, you know, and and starts becoming more, for lack of a better term, intelligent, you know, starts becoming a little bit more nuanced, starts actually becoming something that was worth bringing over and translating and then putting it in a nice bound version for millions more people to read. Like, it's about fucking time, really.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still like a relevant message in terms of this idea of discriminating and uh, designating this group of people as evil as something to be to get rid of for the good of the society as a whole and so you're attacking people within your own country you're because you're seeing them as the other and seeing getting rid of them as purifying as keeping peace but it's all based on like this fear and all based on envy and all these like negative emotions that are just eating the society alive and just only serving to its detriment and the detriment of like just human well-being as a whole.
2: Exactly. And and the thing that's really interesting is even though you have all these devil men, right? So you have towards the end of the manga, the the army, you know, basically all around the world, humans are, are trying to, you know, become more militant. Uh, actual society is killing people who they suspect as being demons. And the thing is like the demons can still, even though I shouldn't say the demons, the devil men can still take their human form and kind of repress their, their demon side. So that way they still appear as human. There are still like basically witch hunts going on and they're, you know, killing people out in the street, whether they are or aren't uh, devil men. And at the same time you have the actual demons who are trying to rule the world and actually kill everybody. Um, You know, Satan's forces are there the whole nine yards. It's just like the, de- you know, the devil men are sitting there kind of smack dab in the middle of all this trying to protect some of the humans who aren't trying to kill them, but, you know, trying to fight off the demons. And it's just absolutely insane. And you look at these other sides, you know, and it's like, I love how Gona Guy really draws upon that gustav dor influence and he makes satan and his angels look specifically you know like quote unquote good guys like you would typically think in a, a you know regular uh, christian painting or whatever And then the humans who are supposed to be us, the people that we are most likely to relate with, are committing crimes and atrocities that unfortunately we still see in our world today in terms of genocide and racism and bigotry and just complete ignorance as to understanding the individual before passing judgment. So like all of these themes create a very, very thick, very, very thick atmosphere and the thing is Harenchi Gakuin had been canceled. Shameless School had been canceled because of PTA feedback. Like they were fucking pissed always trying to, you know, shut Gonagai down. So finally they they managed to succeed and Gonagai had the manga end in the most violent and brutal fashion where like all the kids get like killed. I think there's like a um what was it? Like the PTA comes in and kills yeah. all the kids or something like that. Basically <laughs> like the biggest fuck you would ever, you know. Yeah. Um
0: that's pretty amazing.
1: I mean, yeah, literally, the PTA killed a manga.
2: It's that's, great. That's the point. And he's like, "Look, this is what happens to art when you people are sitting here, like, unable to come to terms and grapple with the darkness of your own psyche." Um, in Devil Man, it's very interesting because he kind of does the same thing to us and makes us the normal human, the bad guy, except this time. You know, he kind of got away with it and was able to finish Devilman. But like, I, you know, with the mounting tensions that were going on, people hated Devilman just as much as Shameless School. So, you know, this whole thing's going on. He just kind of withstood the the backlash this time. Plus, he had Majin Z, so he kind of had an outlet at the same time for all this insane pressure that's going on. But I mean like this manga was being written literally under the same pressure that crushed his last work. So this guy is like kind of, you know, Marlon Brando, a rebel without a cause here trying to do something that's a little bit avant-garde to a certain extent, at least for conservative Japan.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he's a rebel Wittaka because his goal is to show, and he, I mean, he has a message behind the work to show, hey, don't ignore, like, the dark, a- darker aspects of humanity and, like, try to purge that out. I mean, that's what they're doing in the, in the manga. You know, they're trying to get rid of the devil man, the so-called, you know, uh, the dangerous elements of humanity, you know, to protect the whole, but that ultimately is what causes the self-destruction of humanity. He's, like, addressing this idea of, you know, hey, we should address this, accept this as part of the art, and then also, hey, we should address this and accept this as part of the human self. But also, I mean, this is reflected in, like, the conversation that Miki's dad has during like, the final volume, basically, is, like, he he pretty much lays the message bare that, you know, everyone is letting their paranoia get to them, and in, like, fearing that the person next to them is a demon and trying to, you know, hunt them down, they are becoming demons themselves, and basically everything the humans do in Devilman in terms of, like, the types of violence they commit against each other are very believable in terms of like stuff that's happened in history, like witch hunts and like this idea of like decapitating people, putting their heads on stakes, putting the limbs on stakes. This is like barbaric, horrifying stuff that has happened in history. So I think that just what makes the manga even more frightening and even more raw is that, it's very believable in a way that society could fall apart like this, could destroy itself like this uh, under this level of paranoia that, you know, the demons set forth. But of course, ultimately, it's humanity that destroys itself.
0: I just want to go on record and say that um, the episode of Crybaby in particular that uh, handles that material and that particular bit is one of the most amazing things i've ever seen like i was really i was really surprised with just so much how much raw emotion uh was in that scene in particular that we're mentioning right now i was honestly less speechless it was pretty good
1: yeah i mean in the manga it's incredibly horrifying too because we have this long sequence of miki and her family just like making this last stand basically against this angry mob who is trying to like kill them and you know ultimately he, we just see this the guy that was helped protecting mickey he's killed off and mickey sees her brother's head like held in front of her her little kid brother it's like that's a horrifying self aside itself but then that's like the that's it that's like the last part of her resistance because then like the mob like just encroaches in on her it's and like it's the shapeless black form just of like grotesque uh laughing faces and crazy eyes and she is like being like ripped into shreds and it's just this multiple paid sequence like first she's like being ripped apart like her clothes are falling off. It's like just streaks of them just r- tearing at her. And all the while like these this amorphous blob of like laughing crazy people is just laughing in the background. And then in the next page we see her being like split apart. And you know there's like a clear metaphor there for you know she was violated. Uh, and then you know she's torn apart in the next page and it's just horrifying like they... Like, her body is just ripped apart. And then it's just, like, a big... Like, one page, and it's just, like, ah. Like, a, just a big, like, jagged, black word balloon. Ah. And that's it. That's that's all there is on that page. And then, like, entire sequence. To like, just commun- communicating the violence, the fear, the terror of everything that is happening to me in that moment. is just so brutal and devastating and horrifying
2: it is rather interesting that you would get a statement like that from gonagai i mean in a certain translation if you look at that just the right way um you know (laughs) despite gonagai's kind of disregard for uh feminism shall we shall we say you know and, and female um respect like he kind of in that scene shows like yeah so this is like how horrible society is for women right now um, not that necessarily in all parts of the world that this is happening but like it's a manga meant to express an idea and that idea is look we're not doing a very good job at this and once our society crumbles we're gonna go right back to being fucking cavemen and this is what cavemen do so going a guy in that rel- in that light, is kind of responsible with his audience instead of, you know, doing the thing we all know him for in terms of like, Oh, okay, here's some tits. Here's some blood sometimes on the same panel. You know what I'm saying? Um, in this case, he actually kind of takes the message and allows the message to push the images versus what he often does is takes the images and uses that to portray the message. Now, Speaking specifically on the panels and, like, the whole way that Gona Guy draws, like, early Gona Guy is very different than, I don't want to say later Gona Guy, but um, essentially, like, he's he's gotten a couple little one-shots here and there. And, like, Gona Guy, although a lot of people say, like, okay, he's really doing, like, the simplistic art style, which is kind of, like, awkward, at times, just completely and utterly awkward, like, human poses are done in a very Iraqi style, but, like, without the fucking grace, so it looks really weird and contorted, and everyone's super, like, gauntly and gangly and all that sort of thing, and he kind of, like, refines that as he goes on, but that's kind of the charm, and he contrasts this sometimes with, like, I want to say he's, like, using, uh, what do you call it, the ukeye, uh pen or whatnot, like, the actual brush or whatever the case uh, i forget what the hell you call it but like there are a couple panels where like amon comes forth with like this absolute rage and like to express that he just paints the panel instead of like drawing it or whatever the case may be Uh, yeah i I know
0: what you're talking about yeah
2: or like there are scenes i forget that i want to call it black lion is that the name of one of his manga uh where there's like a samurai who's tied up to a cross or whatever the case may be or he's tied to some pole or some shit like that and basically left to die um I don't remember. But anyway, long story short is there's this one one shot that Gonagai did, uh, and you can see it throughout his other manga too. Like he'll all of a sudden drop in a very high quality – I don't want to say high quality because that kind of like quantifies the whole thing, but a much more detailed um, approach or a much more detailed panel. It kind of reminds me a little bit – just a little bit. This is like a complete side note. It kind of reminds me of Togashi a lot, You know, the creator of Yu Yu Hakusho and that sort of shit because like he'll do – Like, one panel of, like, this face, and it's, like, death stare, like, very intense compared to, like, the typical manga styling, which is more economic in terms of, like, pen strokes and that sort of thing. And Gona Guy's art, let's be honest, is super economic, you know? Everybody has sideburns. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Um, (laughs) Everybody kind of has, like I said, these gangly limbs. Um, violence is like really awkward to watch or read, you know, because it's, it's done in very stilted fashion, you know? So it's kind of hard because sometimes like the manga is super cinematic and looks great. And then other times you're like, how the fuck is his body moving like that? Like, ugh, I don't know. It's no wonder these, it's no wonder these people's heads are popping off because quite literally they're not meant to move that way.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I th- I thought some of the, um. I I guess while you were talking about that, the thing that kind of comes to mind is a lot of like um, a lot of the scenes in the, uh, you know, in, in the underground club that, uh, that Rio has, you know, where everybody's dancing and doing drugs or whatever. And um, yeah, uh, some, some of that, some of that dancing is a little, looks a little awkward. There's a, there's a great page where like, Rio just starts dancing, and he like I think I tweeted about this, but uh, Rio starts dancing, and he kind of looks at Akira like he wants him to dance at him. <laughs> like it, it's really, it's really, it, it's like that kind of weird, awkward stuff that like I I should find kind of um what's the word I'm looking for that I that should kind of turn me off as far as this art goes, but like it's weirdly charming because you know while, while I was reading uh, while I was reading Devil Man. Uh, Just in general, like, you know, at first I was I don't want to say like I wasn't like disappointed, but I was a little confused because like, you know, I I felt like up until honestly, I'm going to say up until like, you know, Akira actually starts fighting other demons like um, there's a it's a it's mostly a lot of like exposition and talking heads, at least to me anyway. But I mean, you know, once once Akira starts fighting demons, I, I feel like. I feel like the manga gets a little more exciting to read just in general.
1: Well, for me, the manga was engaging almost pretty much from the start because the guy just has such a great, you know, flow in his paneling that... The manga is just a really easy quick read and because like this is he true, yes. makes the most mileage out of his lines the panels never feel too cluttered everything is extremely like readable and I can tell what's going on and even if like some of the you know anatomy or poses are a little off or weird there's this you know uh eccentric quality this like er erratic energy to the manga that just makes things like flow really well and he just has also a good sense of timing in terms of like you know, even when characters are talking, like just the way he'll build up like the tension within their talking, even during a single like panel, the way he'll lay out certain lines of exhibition and like normal balloons and then have this big, jagged, large balloon to emphasize the most dramatic point. It just makes the entire reading experience for me, even during a position, like really engaging to read. So I actually really enjoyed reading Devilman like right from the beginning because like in terms of just keeping energy flowing from page to page, moment to moment, the guy is so good at that.
0: Mm, Honestly, yeah, I'd I'd have to agree. Well, another really cool thing
2: is like I'm looking at the panel uh, when Rio first picks up Akira in the car and that face reminds me so much of Patrick Starr. (laughs) (laughs) like he looks like like fucking patrick he looks like patrick Uh,
0: rio is such a great character because he's so i mean i mean clearly you could tell in like how many how many of his pages have basically turned into memes at this point and have been memes for a long time that like he's such an iconic character with like the most expressionless but um, but almost at the same time the most expressive Face I've ever seen on any character like it's real. it's such a weird it's such a weird combination of the two aspects there
1: there's an unpredictable quality to him because he has that stoic almost like bored face most of the time and then all of a sudden he'll like just yell out and get into a fit of energy and you're like whoa what is wrong with this guy (laughs) I mean that's where what the great element is of one of the most famous means is when Rio is just screaming, my father is dead because we have like just this quiet panel. You know, Rio is like just looking off. I mean, looking off, you know, while he's driving, he just does this blank stare in his eyes. And, you know, it's just like a quiet moment. And then just all of a sudden he just yells out, my father's dead.
0: <laughs> see, like- I've, see, that's that's one of the pages that I had always seen out of context for like years and like reading that in context is even funnier because it's like in the car and akira it just goes on about like his entire family situation for like a page and then rio doesn't like uh, he doesn't respond to that conversation at all and just goes on to like what's been happening with him well it's literally after he has the patrick star face too it's like patrick
2: star face and then like my dad's dead (laughs) it's like wow
0: spongebob my dad's dead Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh my god um so yeah like pretty much yeah that's what i was saying was that yeah like in context i think it's even funnier honestly
2: man like this manga
0: <sighs> like there there are times there were times while reading this where like i legitimately couldn't tell if it was campy or if it was like actually legitimately funny I think it's often legitimately
1: funny. I think the guy has a very clear sense of humor. So a lot of it to me is intentional. But of course, there's like a lot of, uh, you know, I think just there are some moments that could come across as unintentionally funny. Like, because so so much of the, you know, drama, like during, especially when Ryo is like explaining all of the, you know, history of the demons and stuff. And he's getting so worked up about that, you know because of the contrast between like you know the expression and what he's saying, it can be very funny.
0: It lends with with um with stuff like um you know uh Rio putting on the giant like stone demon mask and stuff. it's it's stuff like that that kind of comes to mind. That that made me wonder. Was this supposed to be funny? I feel like this is supposed to be dramatic. Like it's un- it's unintentionally funny. Like uh, some some of some of those moments were some of my favorite moments while uh, while reading the uh, Seven Seas edition, at least.
1: I mean the big like emotional build up to like when uh Rio and Akira are like promising okay we are going to merge with the oh, those abominations and become monsters and terrifying devils and lose our humanity and they have tears in the their eyes their they're crying. It's like, you know, this This is going to be this big, dramatic moment, and uh, Akira is yelling, let's go, ferryman! Open the gates of hell! And so, (laughs) you know, they open the door, and what do you see? You see, like, dancing naked girls, and debauchery, and just a a crazy party, because you're expecting, like, this crazy scene of violence, but no, it's just, like, this super weird party full of, like, hipsters, and uh, debauchery, and it's like... (laughs) What? What is this? I think that was like an intentional joke on uh, Nagai's part for sure to have this big emotional buildup and then like, oh, this is it, and like Akira's expression—I mean Rio's expression—you know, where he's where he's just got this weird grin and again the dead stare as Akira's just looking out is like what, and then Rio is just has this blank grin. It's just amazing.
0: Oh, that stuff like that, and then like. Of the the page where, like, his his acura senses start tingling and he's like, I have to go help my friend that you like literally gets out his gun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was one of my favorite moments, too. So for some people who
2: may like really love Devil Man and want more of it, like there is plenty of shit out there. Like there's obviously Crybaby that came out. There's Amon there's a whole shin devil man like there's a lot of spin-offs there's an entire manga series that takes place uh during the third world war when like akira is trying to fight satan and all his followers and that sort of thing and uh, there's like tons of spin-offs one of which i kind of want to mention at least in passing here is violence jack have you guys had a chance to get around to that
1: mm, unfortunately
0: not i've actually seen both violence jack and violence jack 2 the uh, the OVAs um and Honestly, I I really wanted to like the first Violence Jack, but I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was mostly OK. And then Violence Jack 2 or whatever, I just thought was kind of dumb and I didn't really like it, honestly. So I don't want to
2: give it away. I think people who really like Devilman should go and read Violence Jack because it was created by Gona Guy, you know, literally one year later. Um, it actually kind of has a lot of the same trappings. I don't want to tell you why, though. You should watch, you know, go and read it. I don't say watch it, but definitely go and read it. Um, I don't want to give it away because, like, it's kind of the whole magic of reading that is when you, when you find that all out. But the flip side is, like, for anyone who listens to Anime World Order, they've already talked about this and already gave away the spoilers. But my point is, find it. Get your hands on it, read it, and then get back to me and we can have a conversation. But like for those who might be like, oh, I don't know because I've heard things about Valence Jack being like really violent. It's like, well, first off, no shit. Second Wait, off. Why what?
0: <laughs> Valence Jack is violent?
2: Violence Jack is secretly a manga about Obama. No, so. Um,
1: <laughs> no, that's air gear oh
2: (laughs) wow wow that joke was strong i
0: totally forgot that existed
2: wow wow okay um but basically yeah if you can read berserk you can read this shit so
0: i mean that's totally fair yeah
2: air gear that was powerful
1: yeah (laughs) i mean it's one of the most infamous aspects of that series
2: I wish Obama that was like
1: the body of a teenage Japanese girl.
2: I just wish that uh, that was drawn by Gonagai. Guy. That would actually make sense.
1: <laughs> it would certainly be a lot better, I'm sure. But man, yeah, I'll definitely check out Violence Jack. On the subject of, like, other spin-offs to Devilman, Seven Seas is releasing two other Devilman manga. Devilman vs. Hades is a sequel to Devilman that takes place when Akira is in hell and he's searching for Miki. And then he just, like, fights Hades and runs across, like, a bunch of, like, the demons he killed in Devilman. So... I haven't explored too much of that, just skims through it, but it's pretty interesting. And then Devilman G is a reimagining of Devilman. It takes place more in the modern day. It has a little more fantastical elements because Miki is a witch in this version. Uh Cyrene has a human host. And so I've read like a little bit of that as well. And that leans more into like being more pulpy, a little more It's a little more about, like, the eccentric, like, leaning into the fun aspects of, like, violence and sex. Oh, my. And it doesn't seem to have as, you know, carry the weight of the original manga. But in terms of just entertainment value, it is a lot of fun. So if you want to support more Devilman uh, manga, you should definitely check those out because those are also equally fun works.
2: Yeah. And uh, in case we haven't already sold you on reading Devilman... You know, there's an entire monster that has no pussy. It's just another face down there.
0: Oh, there are so many monsters like that. Yeah, i I, I think I've, I think I remember seeing a couple of those.
1: <laughs> there are at least three in uh, Devilman G in particular.
0: Yeah that that's definitely that's definitely one of the few thing a few things from like Devilman I'd also seen before actually like watching it or reading it was uh, vagina and boob monsters.
1: Where are our dick monsters though? They're not enough.
2: Real dicks are already monsters.
0: I mean, they are pretty ugly.
2: Yeah. Well, not mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yours is beautiful. I'll I'll take your word for it, Josh. Oh man, but um, man, I can't. I really can't wait to read more of this because I really um because I think uh, so far as far as what I've read, um, the the highlight for me has been, uh, Acura's fight with Gene Men. Um, I think that's probably, like, the biggest standout chapter to me.
1: Yeah, I would single that out as, like, my favorite single chapter of Devilman as well. Because, like, the core concept behind Jinmen is so disturbing and so strong in terms of... He, there Here is this monster who devours people alive. And so they are, like, living in agony and in pain on his shell. And so... Like they're still alive, but like they're in in this endless state of suffering. But you know they're still alive, so Akira has to decide: Will he kill these people in order to kill Jinmen? Because he has to do that in order to kill Jinmen. And then, like, he has to you know kill someone he knows, like this little girl. And like this little girl is begging him to do it. Like I'm kill him. I'm already dead. I'm already dead. Like there's like she's in suffering. So he, you know. She wants this suffering in the end. A lot of those people on Jinmen's back do. But, like, you know, Akira can't even look... I mean, he does look, like, straight on as he, like, stabs Jinmen through the back, right through, like, half of this girl's face. But then we have this amazing page, is like, a- afterwards, like, he, he looks and he just closes the girl's eye, you know? That was a
0: great touch, yeah. And it's
1: just an amazing page. And then, like, he closes his eyes just, you know, in disgust and in sadness of what he has to do but then like he you know gets overcome to rage and he just grabs jimmy's shell and is like just rips it off and jimmy's like stop you're gonna murder everyone in my shell all of them and what is just like sojourned by rage so he just doesn't anyway and we don't even see it happen we just see the cra- here a panel of like the crack we have like this black and white panel like uh, inverted Uh, inking here in this, in the next panel is like, we just hear Jinman scream. And then we have like this amazing panel. We have Akira's face split into like, on his left is like him as Akira, on the right is him as Devilman. And like, on his human side, as Akira, he's like shedding a tear. And like, there's like this black square in between them, just like the separation between the human, his humanity and his you know demonic side and then like you, you just see him like standing over the shell his blood is you know splitting out with it and like it, it closes off saying that the shell fossilizes, is just a dead mask of sorrow and it's just such a you know is such a sad and such a like it, it this is like the first story that really in in devil and they like really like forces akira to commit a choice that really leads him down like a path that questions his humanity because before he's killing you know demons right he doesn't think that he's uh he's taking like any human life but now he does have to like take human life in order to like kill this monster and that like Take, it robs a little bit of his humanity it like causes a separation within him and that kind of like carries through so like the rest of you know the story where now he this is like the last chapter where like akira is like specifically going after this specific demon because then the series after this point is him fighting against like utter humans uh like there are demons in human disguise but you know where the series eventually goes is him fighting against humans and so that just continues to like weigh on him as like you know what am i even fighting for now like i i became devil man to protect life but now i am i have to take human life and my enemies are humans so you know, this is it's just like an incredibly powerful standalone chapter, but also like the idea behind Jinmen, Two is very interesting in the sense that Jinmen makes the case that, you know, it's a sin to take life. So I eat people
0: while they're alive. That's pretty fucked up.
2: <laughs> so here's the cool thing about all this is like you're totally right, Sid, like it marks the change in tone that Devil Man takes from that point on, because from that point on, it's all about like the deep stuff that we've been kind of talking about. But like Jinmen himself, um, there's like a Japanese disease or folkloric disease, kind of like um, what do you call those, like a, a fairy tale or um, uh, old wise tales or whatever, kind of like what do, what do you call like the boogeyman? It's not real, but it's like a story that you tell people. So that way they learn the the moral of it or whatever.
0: In urban
2: legend? Sure. Th- we'll go with that. But anyway, it's the whole the Jinmenso is the name of it. Um, and basically it's supposed to take, it's a sore, you know, kind of like a A raised red bump or whatever the shit, and it actually has a face, and you're supposed to feed it. So like, Gene Men is literally that. He's got faces all over him, but he also kind of embodies like the dogma of hell. Like, okay, people die; they're gonna go to hell, and they suffer there forever, forever. And it's like, hmm, is that really morally apprehensible? Like, because the whole point, like that Akira, you know. Runs into this dude is because like one of his friends goes missing one day or something like that. And that's when he finds her, um, is, you know, basically runs into Men and that sort of thing. So like the whole idea in a lot of Christian dogma is that like, yes, there will be people, you know, who go to hell. And it's like, well, is that fucking fair? Like, is that really cool? Is that Are you down with that idea? Because Jinmen is kind of like a bastardization a little bit. It takes it and pushes it a little bit further to make it sensationalized. But that's kind of the idea. It's like, oh, yeah, these people are in hell. Um, they're being psychologically tortured and that sort of thing. They can supposedly still feel pain and this, that, the other thing. So, like, that's kind of the whole idea. So, if you're not cool with that, you know, and that's kind of going to guy bringing again that whole – Christian idea in there, and of course, mixing a little bit of Japanese folklore uh, in with the the whole thing to kind of create what this manga really is. And I think kind of, honestly, it's a, it's a beautiful take on some of these ideas, not that, you know, I necessarily 100% agree, this, that, the other thing, but it, it does cause you to think if you're looking for things like that, and that's why Man is such a rich manga that has, you know, survived for so long is because... It is rampant with these things, like, whatever you go and look at, as long as you have a mind to see, you will see it. You know, that stuff is really there, because Gona guy, he's a thinker. Like, sure, he thinks weird shit, like, I wonder if I could draw a human head decapitated on a pole. But he also thinks things like, man, you know, some of this dogma shit is really fucked up. I'm going to draw a children's cartoon about it.
1: Yeah, that marriage of, like, all these, like, different ideas to like combine to make like this which in what you're saying, like there's, there's so many like different ideas going into that, that you can read into. It's just incredibly fascinating, especially like how he's combining like Christian theological concepts with like Japanese mythology to create like this new idea to express like something deeper about human suffering and like human life.
2: Yeah. It's almost like, cause like, Obviously, another thing you could look at, too, this is going a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole, but, you know, the Japanese idea of, you know, Harakiri or, um, you know, the whole idea of, is it better to live in shame or to
0: die? To die a warrior, essentially?
2: Kind of, but, like, specifically, I'm kind of reading over some of the, the manga here, but, like... um you know, Akira's friend basically kind of begs for death, is like, hey, just, you know, kill me because like as it is, I'm dead anyway. So it kind of poses the question, like, if your life is full of bunches of suffering, are you already dead? Like, have you already checked out? And it's like that theme is not so heavy in the whole kind of telling of this tale. You know, because Jin is like you could take that almost isolated and make it a one-shot and it still has like all the emotional punch to it. But it's it's very interesting because like, I don't want to say, wow, this is uniquely a Japanese idea of killing yourself when you're in pain. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but it definitely from a culture that has had this idea, you know, of if you're in pain, or if there's something that you just can't live with, then to move on into the next life, you know, and to see that kind of also thrown in there. You know, it's, it's, it's going a guy, you know, he's not an idiot. He's not just, you know, a child with a pen, like he is poetic. And I think a lot of people kind of just still kind of look at this as like, oh, it's, you know, crazy and decadent. And it is, it really is. But like, Jin Min's another great example, if you look at it and really look at it. You know, it's just as deep as, like, fuck it, Bakemonogatari or whatever shit you want to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, this has actually got some meat and potatoes to it.
0: I, re- I remember seeing a lot of conversation like that when uh, when Crybaby premiered about, you know, everybody uh, either, like, really talking up the, the themes and messages of Devilman. And then m- most people just kind of brushing that off as, like, oh, it's not that deep. Devilman is not a masterpiece. Uh, it's not that great, guys. Get over yourselves. Uh, you know, it's not that great.
2: I remember a lot of the conversation, people saying stuff about like, oh, Rio is like just such this great, amazing gay villain. Like we finally have a strong gay villain. And that's true. That's definitely true. But I don't see how you could say that and not look at the rest of the series for what it is because it's so much more than just – I don't know what else to call it. Identity – politics wrapped up in a manga like it's a little bit more nuanced than that it really has you know the whole point is being an individual that's the whole point at the latter half of the manga
0: like i mean to be fair i think um Sid and i were talking about this off mic but i think um but basically crybaby kind of mostly focuses on the more like um of the more psychosexual aspects of devil man almost
2: yeah that sounds very yuasa
0: I was going to say, yeah. there, there was a lot of focus on that kind of stuff in particular, which I thought was kind of interesting.
2: So maybe maybe I'm speaking out of turn then because I haven't seen Cryberry yet and now I'm kind of regretting it because it's like, shit, I remember how much I love Devil Man. But like in the original manga, like that's not so much the focus. I mean, it is there. Like, shit. So if we're going to spoil it, like Rio is Satan and it's, you know, Satan is an hermaphrodite. So, you know, there's, there's an aspect of that, you know, just say it's, you know, that. I, I, I apologize. I'm using its to in a a kind of derogatory term, but like to say that Satan, as a being, is either he or her or gay or straight. Kind of doesn't capture the nuance of identity. What is the human? What is creation? Because this, you know, these creations of demons and devil men are fighting against each other, but they're so similar. You know, same with the human humans fighting the devil men and the demons, and then all of a sudden, like God's going to come down and wipe everybody out because, like. They realize, hey, we're no better than anybody else. We are all just living things trying to get through this world. And look what we did. We fucked everybody up. You know, it's it's really about the individual and self-realization to a level that permeates through almost every single moral philosophy in the manga. So, I mean, people aren't wrong to think that. I need to go watch Crybaby because maybe that's, you know, that sounds like a very Uwasa thing to focus on. But at the same time, like, the original manga... Guys, like, if you loved Crybaby, and I haven't even seen it yet, but I can already tell you, you're going to love the manga, like, go and check that out. Like, it's super, super good.
0: I was going to say, Josh, I would really love to see your thoughts on Crybaby, because I, I I, think you would get something out of it, personally.
2: I'm thinking about starting it as soon as I'm done with this podcast, just popping <laughs> Netflix on, and just, like, I want to see episode one, because it's like, shit, like... Episode one's pretty good. Man, <sighs> you going to make me watch anime again? <laughs>
1: Yeah, we should reconvene for a podcast on Crybaby. I haven't seen it yet myself, but man, uh, like after readings through the manga, I just want more Devilman to consume, Dude. to be in my life, to explore and examine and think about.
2: Well, I was even looking at some of the images for um, Devilman versus Hades, and it's like, that looks kind of nice. I might pick that up and kind of start reading that on the side.
0: I mean, look, uh, if, if it's any consolation, guys, you're you guys are making me want more devil, man. So,
2: <laughs> man. But yeah, it's good. This is some good shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's so interesting. It's like I when I finished Crybaby, like I didn't really know what to think. But I like it was it was weird because like I was I was in a weird spot where I was like, I really liked it and I really liked where it went. I Like, I especially love the ending. Like, the very last episode of Cry Baby is honestly really amazing. A lot of really crazy shit happens. And I'm sure it's probably pretty similar to the ending of the manga. I don't know. But, like, I was in this weird spot where I was like, I really, really like this, but I don't know if I consider it good or not. And honestly, this, this conversation is really helping me realize that, yeah, Devilman is a lot... It Like, it's a lot better than just, oh, yeah, look at this celebration of sex and violence. Oh, so it's, it's like... There's a lot more to it than the pulp, and I think I really appreciate Devilman uh, for that aspect alone.
2: I mean, imagine if, like, Berserk had themes this prevalent running through it. Now, granted, Berserk is, like, a completely different medium. It's, you know, long-running. I
0: was going to say, like, you like know. Berserk Berserk has themes, but, like... But
2: not as concentrated because you're trying to, like, go through an entire series. But, like, with Guy here, like, all his manga works are fairly short. Like, they don't extend beyond, like, ten volumes type shit. So he can really just say whatever the hell he wants. He's like a stand-up comedian. He says what he wants. (laughs) He makes the point. You either you laugh, you cry, or you cringe. And then he moves on. Like, that is literally his delivery. He is a stand-up comedian in, like, the finest way that manga can produce.
0: Honestly, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, actually.
1: Yeah, because, like, for me, like, Devil Man. My perception of it that what was that it would be like more of a celebration of violence and sex, but really it's not necessarily a condemnation of it. But it's like lamenting of what value there is in it and like the extremityness. Because like you go through the manga and you have a good time enjoying all this like violence, all this like sexually charged imagery, and then you get to the end and you just sit there and you're like thinking about man was everything that happened in the story was everything that the characters that they did worked it when it led to like their own self-destruction so it's very thoughtful in that respect and that's what I really like about it I also just like I haven't engaged with many uh, of Nagai's works outside of Devilman except for Mazinger Z Infinity which I saw earlier this year and one commonality that I should see between Devil Man and a message in that film is the guy exploring wh- how humanity interacts with itself and how humanity lets their personal interests, their paranoia, their fears, their jealousies interfere with choosing what is best for humanity as a whole. And also lead them to their own mutually assured destruction in a way. Um, And like both Mazinger Z, Infinity, and Devilman explore this idea. Is humanity worth saving if humanity is just so quick to turn on itself? And is capable of committing like such atrocities upon each other? And what will it take to unite humanity? And what will it take to make... A better world and be a better person like what does it mean to be human? what defines your humanity? So I really am fascinated with that idea and I really want to explore like, the guy's entire monography to like exa- look at like how he explores this idea uh, between all of his works. Because between just reading Devil Man and thinking about that film, there seems to be a clear interest here in how human beings behave between each other and what that says about who we are as creatures, about our, like, identity and being. And I just want to see, like, what he has to say about that and how that has changed, like, over the, like, course of his series, like, throughout his career.
2: Yeah, that's kind of exactly what um, Shin Devilman kind of points out, too, is as they're traveling through time, you know, they're running into all these historical figures and kind of walking around the violence that humanity – I mean, like, literally the whole point of it is they're in a time slip. They keep bouncing through different parts of time. And each time they do, there's a major moment in human history, such as meeting a young man named Adolf. I wonder who that is. Or, like, towards the end, when they run into Crazy Horse and, you know, that whole massacre that happens there. You know, so you have all these things that are going on with, like, humanity when people are being the absolute worst that they can possibly be, the worst day, you know, the the worst form of humanity, right? And so... Shin Devilman is, like, trying to toss all these things at you at once. It's just more thematic, I don't want to call it fluff, but, like, backing support for what the, you know, the average Devilman reader might not be hitting on. Like, it kind of seems like a a frivolous kind of, okay, we're just going around doing popular things with popular people because I'm gonna guy and I'm wacky. But if you look at it in terms of the themes that we've been talking about... Like that, it's just more of the same. You know, Shin Devil Man is not as nuanced because it's kind of like a couple of vignettes kind of strung together. But I would definitely say, you know, it goes right along with Devil Man thematically, absolutely and completely.
1: Yeah. I've- it emphasizes the idea that humanity's worst enemy is itself. Because even though ostensibly, you know, Ryo and Akira are going after and fighting demons who are interfering with the time period, ultimately it's not the demons who cause, like, the atrocities that happen ultimately. Because Jean the Ark is still tried years later for being a witch. Uh Hitler, you know, he was always anti-Semitic. And that incident that they get involved when did is like just it reinforced like his like his already existing ideas of like he hates Jews and he's he wants to destroy them, and of course you get to the final chapter in Shen Devilman and there aren't any demons at all. It's just uh, General Custard. Is that the name of the guy? Uh, and his and his gang who like just massacres this entire Indian village, and you know, of course you know Akira thinks that that these generals is
2: it Sherman or whoever no, it was it's like, Custer. You're right.
1: And custard. So, like, he thinks Custard and his group, they were being possessed by, you know, demons and stuff. But it, it really, it's, like, very heavily implied. They were just, they're just normal humans. And they just committed these horrific acts because they just indulged in the violence, indulged themselves in hate and in the destruction of other human beings and the suffering of other human beings. Like, when they see Akira, they say, oh my god, it's the devil. But Akira replies, no, the only demons here are you. So, I mean, it just really hammers down on the idea that, like, we humans, like, we imagine, like, monsters and demons and all this stuff of our nightmares. But, like, the scariest things are all tied to, like, parts of ourself, of our psyche and what we are capable of and those kind of horrific atrocities that we have done in the past and that we may continue to do in the past. That, you know, as evidenced in, like, the second half of Man, with what happens, uh, th- with how society turns on each other, like, there's always that constant fear that, you know, this has happened in the past. People turning on each other, selling out their neighbors, like, it all in their effort to escape debt, all in the effort for self-preservation, they commit horrific acts just to keep themselves alive, and it just destroys everyone ultimately, in the end. And so, you know, that w- I think it's very clever, I, or at least it's it's very fitting that Shin Devilman is included in the, you know, in newer editions of the Devilman manga as a whole when they reprinted and especially in Seven Seas edition, because it does, like, really emphasize that team that the series explores.
0: Which, we were kind of talking about it off mic, but, like, I was told I was I was a little caught off guard because like basically the manga transitions from Akira's fight with Jinmen to suddenly oh, Rio were we're jumping through time. What's happening? And you know like I was a bit caught off guard, but at the same time I was like okay, I'm totally okay with them just jumping through time fighting demons. Okay, whatever. I'm I'm already reading this. I guess I'm okay with it. <laughs> um it was kind of weird, but like so some of those chapters were really interesting, especially the uh, I, I like the um, out of like the three or four that are in um, that are in the first volume of the seven seas edition. I really uh, I, I thought the Adolf one was really interesting because um, uh, I feel kind of dumb because at first I was like I was thinking that'll be Adolf Hitler, do they? <laughs> so uh, there was a little doubt in my mind at first, but. But by the end, I was like, okay, clearly, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think it was Hitler, but whatever. But no, yeah, like you said, Sid, it's really interesting how like, you know, because at first I was kind of thinking it's just kind of jokingly like I even jokingly tweeted about how like, oh, here's the biggest twisted devil man that uh, it was the demon's faults all along. Hitler did nothing wrong. (laughs) But like, you know, that's that is a really interesting thing you you brought up earlier was that, you know, uh, the demon's. At least, uh, at least in that chapter in particular, did it really do anything to change what actually happens in real history? Because, again, it, clearly, like Adolf is already pretty anti-Semitic. This just basically this this was still kind of the catalyst to like basically what led him down the path that he went uh, that he went down. But like, ultimately, they didn't like the demon in that chapter didn't really actually change anything, which I think is actually really interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like also tying to this idea that, you know, Akira is trying to save these people from the demons, but he fails every time because he doesn't save Jean d'Arc. You know, he doesn't uh, change history so that Adolf Hitler doesn't come into power and cause the Holocaust. He doesn't save uh, Marie Antoinette, you know, he goes into her heart to like take the demon out of her and like you know, fights through time, but by doing that, by getting the demon that was, like, helping Mary Antoinette kind of survive in a way, he kind of condemns her to, like, getting captured in the French Revolution and then getting executed. So, like, all throughout in these stories, like, Akira thinks he's doing the right things by fighting these demons and, you know, trying to save human lives, but ultimately he's causing the debt of more human lives he's failing to save the people he's setting out to save and that's ultimately you know true of devil man the series as a whole like akira sets out to save humanity and he fails utterly humanity is wiped out and another particularly interesting chapter is also when they encounter Nikkei who is like this angelic looking demon, the goddess of war, who's like giving like futuristic weapons to uh Salmon Tracians, like to fight against Athenians and stuff. That, that was some that but, was
0: some that was some pretty crazy shit just like seeing these guys just like ask for weapons and then you just have this angel looking person just giving people guts. <laughs> Gona
2: guy to the core. <laughs> pretty much, yeah.
1: Yeah, but, you know, what's really interesting about it, to me, is, like, Nikkei has this connection with Amon, that, you know, they were lovers, and so it ties into this idea that the demons, they have, like, feelings, they have human feelings, like, they can love each other, they're not, like, monsters without, that are, without any humanity in them, like, they have their own humanity, and that's something that, you know, is touched upon, like, in the Serene chapter, you know, with, you know, Serene and her relationship with Kane, they, their relationship is very. They, they love each other, or at least Kane loves Serene, so he makes that sacrifice for her. And we see, like, there is, like, vulnerability to those characters. And we see that here with Nike, too, is that, you know, we think that, like, Amon, the demon that you know akira has taken p- the powers from like that was just like the ultimate strongest evilest devil but like here we're getting this idea that amon had a lover amon himself had this human side to him and uh, his feelings towards miki are reflected in amon's feelings towards nike and you know that's just a very interesting idea it's to- also touch them on, you know, and it's foreshadowing, of course, for later with what the demons' goals were, like their own self-preservation, like them fighting for their right to live against God, you know, it's just, you know, this idea that, you know, we're all humans, like there's just touching into this inner humanity that like what you think is evil might not actually be evil, but like it's just a mischaracterization, a misunderstanding and like a relationship built on fear And of paranoia. And it's also very telling that Ryo is the one to decap, to kill Nikkei. And there's like no indication that Nikkei was going to betray uh, Akira or Amon at all. Like they were like running towards each other, praying to embrace. She didn't have any weapons on her, but Ryo comes in and decapitates her. And it's like, does Ryo have a sense of, himself at the moment does he know that he's Satan is just trying to prevent Akira from realizing some aspect of like their his plan or is it just that Nik- Ryo in that moment is just afraid of a monster without understanding them it's, it's like he yells like don't let her trick you Akira you're human but like was Nikkei tricking them like you know, it's just touching upon, again, these acts of violence that we commit out of fear and mistrust, like often groundless, but just, you know, because we are insecure about ourselves and like, and because we are just trying to preserve ourselves so we get rid of the other that is what we perceive to be a threat to us. And, you know, with, of course, Ryo killing uh, Anike, the lover of Amon, the lover of Akira. We have that subtext there that Ryo is uh, taking, uh, disposing of a potential uh, rival for his person that he loves. So there's a whole lot of interesting, like, Ideas in the subtext towards like a lot of these Shin Devilman chapters, you know, they're not necess- they're not necessary in like the grand scheme of understanding the story of Devilman. But I liked your inclusion, like in this release, because they do like reemphasize the themes in very interesting and thought provoking ways.
2: And to think all of this came from just three weeks of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> huh.
1: Man, I mean, I guess now we also know why Tagashi has such crazy ideas, because he's constantly sick all the time, too. He's constantly in pain as well.
2: That must be it. That must be it.
1: Aris and Pain come up with, like, the most profound, deepest cuts into understanding, like, the depths of the human psyche and the suffering in the human soul. And they love to convey their own suffering in their work.
0: I mean what else are you supposed to do in that kind of situation other than suffer and think about that suffering <laughs> um but i guess is there anything else we want to touch on or
1: i think that devil man is such a dense work that we could go on and find more things to talk about but honestly what everything josh has discussed and brought up about Gonagai's career and things that have influenced him in creating devil man including like aspects about his other series, I kind of just, I feel like we could reconvene at a later date to discuss Go Nagai, like as a whole, his mongography as a whole, his career as a whole, because I think there's just so much more to dig into there and explore there. And like, I'm really jazzed about that idea after this conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think that'd be, I think that'd be a fun idea for another show. Yeah. I totally agree.
2: Like you can't, there's there's too much to talk about when it comes to going a guy like yeah, I'm just gonna end that sentence there because there's <laughs> there's a lot you could just bring up and such and uh, man, like he contributed just so much into i don't know to kind of like try and marginalize it in just a conversation about devil man would be kind of impossible like he 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 did a lot he did monstrous amounts of work and that sort of thing. So it's just like you could probably sit down, have an episode of like going chronologically, like talk about this work and the themes, moving through that, like a character, you know, a mangaka um, spotlight or some shit like that. That would be dope.
1: I think that would be a great idea. You know, maybe even for like a multi podcast kind of project where we goes through all of his works in chronological over and like track the development of like his themes and storytelling and like all how all these things influence each other. And like of course he yeah, had multiple manga running at the same time, so like it'd be interesting to see how we could organize that. But like you know, just this conversation has just got me like really, really excited to dig into Gonagai more, like I already for the longest time wanted to get into more of his stuff, but like after reading devil devil man talk- thinking about Devil Man, talking about it here, and then just thinking about the connections between Devil Man and what I know of his other works, and like in particular what I had seen in muzinger's Infinity that I found so attractive and interesting like. Man, I'm I'm just going to go on a Gona Guy kick this summer, I think.
2: Dude, totally do it. Like I can already hear the opening to the podcast to be like some cute nicey piano. It's like you're listening to part 1 of Gona Guy, an ass in pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that, that's pretty good.
1: That should be the subtitle for that podcast series.
2: Making fun of a man's like possible near-death it was a near-death experience but i mean like (laughs) shit that's like can we stop and bathe in this idea like you're a famous person and it's out there on the internet for anyone to see that you almost died from pooping (laughs) (laughs) like you almost died from pooping that poor man and everybody knows
0: i mean he's still alive and kicking somehow yeah yeah no we should we should definitely talk more about uh going to guyets at, at, a, at a later date because i'd be interested in doing that too
1: mm-hmm. but i suppose that wraps us up for the discussion if unless we have anything else we really want to talk about
2: well uh, i think i'm pretty good on my end yeah me too
1: All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for coming on the show again. Like, it was so great to have you on. And you really, we learned a lot about Golden Guy's history and what influenced him writing Devilman from you. So thank you.
2: Nah, shit, man. Thanks for giving giving me a spot back on the uh, old anime train. It's, uh, or I guess this is the manga train. I'm sorry. I thought I was on the other train.
0: <laughs> In manga, anime, whatever. It's, all,
2: it's all the same. Yeah. But no, it's, it's it's great talking with you guys again. It's been way too fucking long. So like, I got to thank you guys for letting me on the show. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, uh, no problem, Josh. I, 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 I personally, I miss talking to you. We, we need to, we need to talk more at some point or something. Cause we, we need to catch up or something. Totes my goats. Um, But I guess, uh, Josh, where can the good people find you? Nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I I know. I know. um, That's probably a silly question to ask. because I know you haven't really been on Twitter too much lately. You've been kind of busy. Oh, man.
2: So, yeah. So ever since I ended up moving, um, you know, like Senpai Coast to Coast, I haven't been doing that for a while because I got too busy doing the whole wave motion cannon thing. But now I'm too busy to do the wave motion cannon thing. Like I'm trying to still get stuff out there. Um, but it's it's kind of tricky at the moment because I'm still chasing the whole idea with um, my music and that sort of thing. So it, it's it's a bit of a full plate. But long story short, if you're interested in seeing the work that I have done, and there's a lot of work I've done kind of in the similar vein, um, please check out wavemotioncanon.com. There's a lot of amazing pieces of, of of writing on there that aren't just mine. A lot of my friends were writing on that too. And then, of course, if you want to hear more of my podcast... Um, I actually have to pay my motherfucking Libsyn bill for some reason. It didn't go through, so you can't currently listen to it. But Senpai Coast to Coast, um, please go and check that out, and uh, you know, give me some feedback. I mean, hell, if you want to hear me on the show again, make sure you let uh, Colton and Sid know, so that way they can say, "Man, where is that guy who was like chatting all about diarrhea? Where is he?"
0: <laughs> he he's my favorite manga <laughs> mavericks guest. <laughs>
2: That's the probably the only <laughs> one who does that. <laughs> someone's going to steal my bit in the next year and a half before I can get a chance to get on again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think of a new bit.
0: Oh, I mean you you've got plenty of them. I'm sure I'm sure the wells not completely dry yet.
2: This is true. I just bring out Pedro on.
0: <laughs> uh, my my favorite life lessons character. Um no, but yeah, um, hopefully we can have you on again at some point, Josh. Yeah, like, like I said, we'll, we'll have to We'll have to try and find some time to bring you on to talk about more and go to guy, you know. Once we're once we're done talking about all this shun and jump stuff, because apparently it's the 50th anniversary of Jump, and that's wow. Here is it really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Shit, man. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome.
0: But uh, so, so where where can people find you on Twitter? Oh yes,
2: Uh, my Twitter handle is Josh underscore Dunham. That's D U N H A M. Uh, You know, hit me up, ask me questions, like engage in conversation. I'm usually pretty good if people try to talk to me, I'll try and respond back, that sort of thing. Um, You know, I would like to make more time for the animus and the mangas, but like until I can kind of clear that portion of my life and get that in order. Um, I still have like thousands of my books, not thousands, maybe like a hundred or two hundred books, like still in motherfucking boxes, like shit that needs to be translated that I just simply haven't done yet. So
0: and and all the and all the Gintama that you still need to watch. I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, I just got done watching an
2: episode of Gintama, and like it was starting to get kind serious, Colton.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's that's the biggest problem with Gintama. It it just gets too serious.
2: Yes hyper duper mega serious like it's like I'm pretty sure there's a Gintama Devilman crossover coming soon
0: <laughs> actually it's really funny you say that but we'll talk about that off mic um so um Sid can we talk about it on mic that sounds really badass no we'll talk about it off mic Sit, where can the good <laughs> people find you
1: you can find me on Twitter at Lummiasha and on Animation Revelation, I guess not on my anime list anymore until they get the <laughs> profile pages back up. I don't know. But anywhere that I am, you'll find me under the name Lum Ramayasha. I also do reviews for all com manga reviews. I think I'll have a review up for Devilman Classic Collection Volume 1 up pretty shortly. And I have other volume reviews that I plan to get out this month, too that I'm really excited to write. And of course, I regularly review Dragon Ball Super Chapters. So you can check those on there as well.
0: Mm, yeah, okay. I, I didn't know you were writing a review for Devilman. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess as for me, you can find me on Twitter, at SniperKing323, and all my all the various things that I'm reading. I actually finally made, because um, I, I, I don't... I don't plug it too often because I, I don't really get to do much on there because I just don't have the time. But uh, I do have my own personal blog called Colton Corner at uh, WordPress. And uh, I do have a section on that site where I basically collect all of my manga threads. And I, I finally got that all organized today. And uh, I have a pinned tweet basically with the with the link to that page on my website. So now I have an organized place where you can check out all my manga threads. I am apparently reading a lot more than I thought I was. And man, I need to slow down on some of those. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading a shit ton of stuff. And basically that's where you can find all my threads. Uh, if you're so interested in just checking out all the stuff I'm reading and basically all my tweets or whatever. Um, and, uh, I do a few other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the and Manga cast. Uh, it's a bit, uh, it's on a bit of a hiatus, uh, at the moment, but, uh, I, I, I am kind of mulling around some ideas as to how I want to bring that podcast back. So I'm in the process of, 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 of pondering, you know, what I want to do with the show. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not completely dead. I promise. I just, trying to figure out how to actually bring that back. So, but you know, we still have like 50, 60 episodes of that, of that podcast you can listen to. There's a huge backlog, uh, basically just me talking about the Gintama manga in particular, as, as it was used to be uh, released by Viz Media. And you can find that at get to WordPress.com, And you can also listen to one podcast prevails at one podcast prevails.com. Basically it's, it's the same, same, same idea for, as life lessons, except, uh, Uh, My friend Doctor and I talk about Case Closed or Detective Conan or whatever you want to call it or whatever. And uh, we basically spend every episode talking about a particular arc or case from that series through the manga that is actually still being released by Viz. I don't know how, but it is. And again, that's at OnePodcastPrevails.com. Please listen to that show. I really like recording that show. Um, And I guess just as for the podcast and all comic, um, you can find every one of our uh, Manga Mavericks podcasts over at all-comic.com. And uh, you can also follow all comic on Facebook.com slash all.comic or on Twitter.com slash all comic underscore. But if you want to follow just Manga Mavericks in particular, uh, you want to follow us on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks for all the latest updates on the podcast and whatnot uh, you can also follow us on mangamavericks.tumblr.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash mangamavericks. Please watch our videos, like, subscribe, rate and review, whatever uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, so also, if you have any uh, e- like if you have any thoughts on Devilman or Guy or really whatever manga you're reading or anything podcast related, you can send us an email over at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Please send us emails. We love reading them. And uh, I guess basically the most important thing you guys can do is uh, subscribe, rate and review us on, on uh, Apple podcasts or iTunes, whatever you call it. I don't know. It's I, I, I liked iTunes, but I guess Apple just has to change everything. I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely leave us a review or rating on there. That definitely helps the visibility of our podcast. So uh, definitely do that if you have the time or if you so wish to. Um, but, uh, again, a, a big special thanks to Josh for coming on the show. And, uh, and uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 49 of the Manga Mavericks Podcast. We will see you guys next time for episode 50. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Ore